And welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are uh, enjoying the basketball season. We finally have our brackets. Not really. That's the D1 guys, and who cares? We have our brackets to the final fours in Division Three men's and women's basketball. The eight teams have survived, and we will be talking about that here on Hoopsville. Want to uh, first off remind you how you can interact with us. Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Another exciting weekend of basketball. We had some thrillers. Also, I had some absolute blowouts. Did not see some of those coming. But nonetheless, it was exciting uh, through and through. And so certainly want to congratulate the teams who are moving on. Surprisingly, um, seven of the eight home teams moving on. Um, and I think, what is it, in the recent history, only about 46% of the home teams on the men's side and 49% on the women's side. So really, we, we would have expected maybe four of the eight uh, to get through. That didn't happen. Um, but nonetheless... Um, Congratulations. The only one who didn't get through, Randolph Macon, who had a thrilling game against uh, Virginia Wesleyan. Um, I guess when you face a team four times of, and you've beaten them three times in what has been close games, something's going to break. It's not going to go your way, and that certainly happened for the Yellow Jackets. Uh, I was on hand for those games, helping produce the web stream. And, you know, it, 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 it was just a great battle. Virginia Wesleyan got a great look at it. Um, they had three seconds, go 94 feet, had a great look at a shot to try and tie, and it rimmed out. Unfortunate for them, but uh, tip of the hat nonetheless. But let's back up in time first and go back to Friday's games, which certainly were thrilling. We'll look at the women's side of things. Tufts defeated Eastern Connecticut 46-31 in a maybe surprisingly low-scoring affair. FDU Florham had a pretty easy time with Geneseo. 68-54. Thomas Moore had a huge scoring game against Wash U. You just do not see that with those two teams as much as they're both very good. But 103-90 to in what was described as an awesome atmosphere. St. Thomas and Hope played a great game, 55-47, setting up a Thomas Moore-St. Thomas game. And, of course, Tufts was going to take on the defending champs. The other side... George Fox had a battle with Texas-Dallas, eventually pulling out the 77-73 win. Calvin and DePaul had a thriller, 71-62. Calvin would go on, so he had two undefeateds in the upper left taking on. Of course, he had the two undefeateds in Thomas Moore and St. Thomas in the lower right. And, of course, the lower left, Montclair State uh, defeated Bowden. Uh, maybe a little uh, – the score maybe not as indicative as, as maybe that game wasn't as close as we thought, 61-54 game was a little bit more out of reach for Montclair for most of it. And Salisbury with a big win over Amherst, 63-58. Set up some great games. Again, two two undefeated games. And George Fox surprisingly steamrolled right through Calvin. 78-63. Of course, that game at Calvin College. Tufts uh, had a great game with FDU Florham, but pulled off the victory 58-52. St. Thomas was no match for Thomas Moore, at least in the second half, as Thomas Moore pulled away 75-58. Montclair pulled away from Salisbury in a game that was out of touch for most of it, 68-44. So now we have 
George Fox versus one loss Montclair and one loss Tufts versus undefeated Thomas Moore still have a chance at an undefeated championship game. Some of the best defenses, some of the best offenses will be on display in Grand Rapids, and we shall tell you this. Shortly before the show, we found out George Fox will indeed stay in Grand Rapids. They are not headed home, and I think that's the right decision. I can't imagine a, a George Fox team having flown out, I, well, let's say Wednesday of last week, adjusted to three-hour difference, and then head back today, readjust to three hours, then head back out again on Wednesday and readjust again. I'm kind of glad that George Fox will have a chance to stay. If they had to go through that, I would have argued that conceivably George Fox was going to be at a disadvantage. On top of all that, uh, I'm, I have not heard, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the NCAA is paying for those hotels, but it at least saves the NCAA money on two charter flights. And believe it or not, that's a lot of money. So George Fox will stay in Grand Rapids. Will that be a little bit unfair in the sense that they get to practice in the arena, everybody gets to play in? I don't think so. Everybody gets enough practice time in those places anyway. A practice, a shoot-around, comfortability, etc. I don't think it's going to change anything. Of course, Montclair State, uh, hats off to them. We will talk to their head coach coming up here on the show. She is heading back to where she grew up. We'll talk to her about that, Karen Harvey. She went to D2 Aquinas, I believe. So we'll talk about heading back to Grand Rapids with a team that has never been to the Division Three Final Four. Of course, Tufts has been there. We'll talk to Coach Baruby coming up. We'll also talk to her about her UConn roots. Recent article came out about her that team that she was a sophomore on, the undefeated team, that kind of maybe – Change the, change the vision of women's basketball. And then Thomas Moore finally into the Final Four, their first ever. Of course, Sidney Moss playing some tremendous basketball. So coming up on the show, we will hear from Montclair State's Karen Harvey. We'll hear from Tufts Carla Baruby. And then we will hear from Gordon Mann and Adam Turr is a breakdown. Um, not only the Thomas Moore sectional, but looking ahead at the Grand Rapids Championship weekend. On the men's side, of course, it started off in Ashland, Virginia. Upper right hand, they, it was Randolph-Macon versus St. John Fisher in a terrific game. 64-57, the Yellow Jackets pulled it off. St. John Fisher certainly played well, shot well. Then it was Dickinson versus Virginia Wesley. It might have been a 10-point win, but really that game was much closer than that. Dickinson certainly playing well in that one. Of course, lined up an ODAC game. For Saturday night, East Texas Baptist had an easy time with Northwestern. I had said on the show Thursday, I wondered how much the Cinderella season would come to a crashing end here. East Texas Baptist, a different kind of squad, and they rolled over Northwestern 70-46. to In the meantime, Stevens Point and Emory ended up not even being a game. Emory put up 20 points at halftime and struggled after that, losing by 20, 73-53. to and that set up a game with East Texas Baptist. In the upper left, Augustana and Mount Union turned out to be not as exciting a game as maybe some anticipated. Augustana won 82-69, holding down a pretty good offensive team in Mount Union. Marietta and St. Olaf was a good one. Seven-point game as Marietta would move on 79-72. 
And then down in the lower left, Babson and Hopkins came down the last shot. Hopkins had a look at a three-pointer to win the game. Honestly, I think they rushed it. It looked like they had another second or two that they could have used. Because if you think about it, the ball came off the backboard and the rim, collected on the rebound and sprinted halfway up the court before the buzzer sounded. I think Hopkins rushed their shot. Nonetheless, Babson moved on with a thriller there. And Bates and Trinity, turns out Trinity's darn good basketball team, beat Bates by 17 to avenge that loss earlier in the season. And that set up Babson versus Trinity. Of course, in that game, went to overtime, and Babson survived. We'll show you a bit of a highlight of that in just a minute. Augustana against Marietta. There's our blowout of the year. 151. I have to think maybe the Vikings sent a little bit of a message in the Elite Eight. 151. Augustana scored 50 points in both halves. Virginia Wesleyan upended Randolph-Macon, the only home loser this weekend. 49-47, Randolph-Macon got a great look at it, as we said. Virginia Wesleyan and Macon, a tremendous battle between two very good teams who certainly have a lot of respect for each other uh, and a big rivalry there. And Virginia Wesleyan heading back to their first championship weekend for the first time since 2007 when they lost to Amherst in an effort to try and win back-to-back championships. Of course, Augustana heading back to the first-ever Final Four in the Salem era. should point out Babson, of course, is heading to their first-ever championship weekend and only the second, I think, in, in school history, at least the second, uh, the, the last one being in soccer in the, in the early 90s. And Stevens Point held an East Texas Baptist squad to 28 points. Period. 45-28. And Stevens Point heads back. Stevens Point has an undefeated mark in Salem, but they will take on a Virginia Wesleyan squad while Augustana will take on Babson. It's going to be a great weekend of games. Justin Sweeney writes, as someone running on two hours sleep and totally disoriented and jet-lagged, I can vouch saying that George Fox... Staying in Grand Rapids was the right decision, and I agree with you, Justin. Absolutely agree. I think it was the right decision for Grand for for uh, George Fox. I'm not sure who ultimately makes that decision. If it's a school, the NCA, or a combination of both, but I agree. I think that was the right decision, to say at least. Hey, you want to see a team enjoy going to their first ever championship weekend? Here's what it looked like in Babson from the angle of Pat Coleman. celebration begin some people didn't look like they knew where to celebrate it's kind of funny to watch but congratulations to Babson coming up on this show I will talk to Virginia Wesleyan's um, Dave Macedo in an interview I recorded with him yesterday also talked to Greg Montgomery incredible story with him he joined the team on Friday having flown back 
After spending most of the week with his family in Texas, after burying his 30-year-old brother, who had died suddenly of diabetes, Talk to him about that and, of course, getting to the championship weekend. He's got some great thoughts on getting back there and how he's tired of hearing the names Tantan Belenga and Adair and those guys. He's glad that they are back. But a great story from him. We talked to those two. Pat Coleman actually talks to um, Steve Brennan from Babson coming up here on the show. And we will also talk to Augustana's, Augustana's Gray Giamani. That's all coming up here on Hoopsville tonight. Don't forget, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Quick note uh, for the rest of this week in our scheduling, we will be uh, on the air on Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern time, special start time due to circumstances in Salem. We'll be on the air at 6 o'clock at our Hoopsville Coaches Reception, this year joined by our friends at Sport Tours, taking place in Roanoke. I will be part of the first somewhat hour of the show before I will have to depart and take part at the basketball championship, NCAA championships dinner. I have a role to play up there, which I am honored once again to participate in this year. I want to thank Kerry Harvey Cutter for the invitation yet again. So we will go up there and do that, and Pat will man the show for me while I am gone. We will have coaches aplenty on the show. May even try and get in some other interviews. Thursday's always kind of weird, and this week is very, 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 very busy. Not sure if we'll find time to do some interviews, but we will certainly try if we can. Um, but that will be a 6 p.m. show time on Thursday. Then on Friday... Championship games, 5.30 and 8 o'clock. It'll be Augustana versus Babson at 5.30. Virginia Wesleyan versus Stevens Point at 8 o'clock. We'll go on the air somewhere between 4 and 4.30 that afternoon with a preview show ahead of Augustana-Babson. We'll then go on the air between games to recap the first one and take a preview of the second one. And then we will go on the air after the second one for a short period of time to wrap things up. Then on Saturday, we'll be on the air. The championship game is at 3.30, so I'm guessing maybe about 2.30 we'll go on the air. Um, we will not go on the air ahead of the All-Star game, which is at 12.30, but we'll go on the air about 3.30, or 2.30, I should say, with pre-game festivities leading up to the championship game, which is broadcast this year on CBS Sports Network on your TV dial. D3Hoops.com will also audio stream it as well and then we will come on the air afterward as well with post-game reaction we also tape our interviews with many of those involved in the championship and of course up in in grand rapids as well for our hoopsville finale coming up next sunday here starting at seven o'clock eastern time again if you have questions for us tweet us at d3hoopsville hashtag hoopsville email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash So If you missed the news at the top, George Fox staying in Grand Rapids for the rest of this week. They are not headed home. I think that decision is the right one, in my opinion. Also, our guests coming up tonight, we will hear from Augustana's Gray Giovanni. We'll hear from Babson's Steve Brennan and Virginia Wesleyan's Dave Macedo, along with Greg Montgomery, senior player for the Marlins. On the women's side, we will hear a 
A sectional recap from Thomas Moore from Gordon Mann and Adam Turr. Also a preview of Grand Rapids with them. We'll also hear from Tufts' Carla Berube and Montclair's Karen Harvey all coming up here on Hoopsville. One thing that came up in some of the conversations, at least in the Northeast boards, regarding the conference tournament or the NCAA tournaments, and I'll touch on it briefly now and maybe touch on it later, is how it's not, from some posters' point of view, fair that a team can host all the way to Salem or Grand Rapids and that they shouldn't have that opportunity. One mistake was they made a comparison to Division One, and let's start now by saying nothing compared to Division One basketball is worth having in the conversation. They play by a different set of rules than the entire rest of the NCAA, and I mean entire rest of the NCAA. Division One, Two, II, and Three, and every other sport has the same system in which home teams will host. Host teams, schools participating will host games or weekends of games leading up to some point where there's some neutrality. In Division II men's basketball, for example, that's the Elite Eight. And in Division Three, it's the Championship Final Four. It's not going to change. Pat Coleman had some great points earlier today on his Twitter. It's worth trying to repeat. I hope you don't mind. I will try and read these. Try to set it up so you could see them graphically, and it was unable to. But four packed houses in men's basketball sectionals last night. I know people want neutral sites, but hard to beat that atmosphere, which he is correct. Schools have had, sorry, schools would have to be willing to host sectionals not knowing if their team will make it. It works for baseball, just barely. But one, baseball regionals are the first round. Better odds your team advances. Two, basketball sectionals often land on school's spring break, making student help hard to find. Three, they come during crossover season when SIDs are overworked. Schools would be adding to that by filling to filing to host neutral sectional. Four, if you found or chosen to host a neutral men's basketball sectional, you're guaranteeing your women would be on the road if they were to advance. Five. A neutral se sectional means four teams travel instead of three, and the NCAA pays more, which is tough to sell. Those factors make it unlikely. We'll move to neutral sectionals, hosts in men's basketball, until those problems are accounted for, and I would argue that will never happen. Period. It just isn't. This is how this works. Don't expect otherwise. And by the way, Again, it works across the board in all divisions except Division One football or uh, Division One men's and women's basketball. So let's just understand that it may not be fair in some eyes, but that's how it works. And and by the way, are we gonna now punish the teams who earned that right? One idea was you give it to somebody else. So let's say you would have given it to Trinity this week up at instead of Babson. But Babson was the better regionally ranked team. And by the way, Trinity hosted last weekend. So now Trinity hosts all the way through. Can't give it to Hopkins. They would have hosted all the way through. You give it to Bates? I'm double-checking something before I forget it. Yeah, Bates. Bates at least, you know, 
didn't host the first weekend. Oh, but Hopkins is outside of 500 miles, so that's not going to work. So it gets a little more complicated than you think. Just wanted to get my quick two cents in there. If you have other ideas, we can talk about it later in the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're going to take another break, or we're going to take our first break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Augustana men's basketball coach Gray Giovanni. Talk to him about making the NCAA tournament for the first time in the Saint, or the final championship weekend for the first time in the Salem area. You'll listen to Hoops Open by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, the city of Salem, where tickets are on sale for the Final Four, NCAA.com slash tickets. And, of course, viewers like you who are so kind to donate to the Hoopsville Fundraising Project, which is ongoing in a different in-demand kind of way. You still have some perks available if you want to try and get yourself a shirt or tell us who you'd like us to have on the show. When we come back, Augustana's Gray Giovanni joins us. You'll listen to Hoopsville. Be back right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. Uh, it was hard to look at people's faces. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. It is Sunday, the 15th of March. And we are gearing up for our, the, the road to Salem and Grand Rapids, which is officially paved as of now. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. 
Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville or email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. We'll try and answer your questions as often and as much as we can throughout the show. Of course, if you have questions for our guests, some of them are live and some of them are pre-recorded, but we'll try and get you those questions answered as well. One team, what's really interesting is four teams from the CCIW have made the NCAA Tournament's Championship Weekend the last four years, and those are three different teams. Of course, Illinois Wesleyan has done it twice, I believe. Augustana and the other team, was it Wheaton? I just kind of drew a blank when I went to mention that. Nonetheless, it doesn't matter because Augustana is that representative this year. First time in the Salem era. That Augustana will make an appearance, and I would almost argue they've gotten over the hump. There have certainly been many years when Augustana has had high expectations to be there and have just come up short, including that year St. Thomas got all the way to the championship game themselves and won a title after going through Augustana and Rock Island to do it. So you know Coach Gray Giovanni and his crew are thrilled to finally be doing it themselves. And so joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline to talk about it is Coach. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate you taking the time. First and foremost, congratulations. you got to be thrilled with the fact you guys are moving on. We are. It's uh, been a, a, a terrific year for us, you know, winning both the regular season and conference tournament titles in the CCIW. And to get to uh, continue to advance uh, out to Salem is something we couldn't be uh, couldn't be more excited about. Um, we talk about 2000 and uh, well, what was it? I can't remember what year it was, 2011 or something. Um, when St. Thomas uh, came through you guys and, and was able to move on to the NCAA tournament and win a championship. I know you guys were frustrated then. You've had some other opportunities. Does it feel like you've kind of gotten over the hump now by getting, getting to Salem just in the, in the fact that you won at Rock Island to do it? Well, certainly the postseason, uh, you know, somebody asked me, you said you've gotten a monkey off of your back. I said, well, we've won 10 conference championships in the CCIW, six regular season titles and four tournament titles. I said, I don't think there's been much of a monkey. But we have lost, I think, three or four times in the NCAA tournament to the team that eventually won it last year. Whitewater beat us in the second round, as you mentioned, in 2011. St. Thomas beat us. And I think one or two of the years that Washington University won it, uh, beat us on the way there, so we're we're awfully excited to have uh, survived the uh, first several rounds here and and have a chance to continue to play. In other words, you're you're, you're kind of tired of being the bridesmaid. <laughs> well, it's it's a uh, it's a great feeling to to be playing in the in this uh, when when there's seventy degree weather out. We had <laughs> talked as a team about playing when the weather's nice and. It's not easy to do in the Midwest where we are, but uh, we're doing it now. Yeah, well, it will. hopefully the weather will hold, uh, as it were. Certainly appreciate you coming on and talking about this. And let's talk about the performance so far. Granted, you, you won the CCIW championship by beating uh, Illinois Wesleyan a second time this season. Of course, that dates back almost feels like a season ago, back on the 28th of February. Uh, you guys got the first round by, and I, I would love to know from your point of view, I know you were thrilled to get that, but at some point when you saw the bracket and you knew it was going to be Wash U or DePaul and you knew you are going to have a game off, was there any nerves that that could be almost a little bit of a trap? Well, absolutely. I think that happened to us one time before. And just you're exactly right. We were really pleased to get the bye. But I think it's a mixed 
it's a mixed blessing because you're you know you're you're sitting waiting and you're going to play a team that's coming off a great win you know, you're going to play a team that's just won mm-hmm. and that has kind of gotten their their uh their tournament legs under them and uh, i definitely think that in our first game one we played a terrific opponent that was playing extremely well in DePaul. i think they'd won three games against top 20 teams in a row but they played with much more confidence and, and much looser uh, i think than we did in that opener uh, i thought you know our kids were so anxious to, to play that they may have played a little bit tight and so that 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 buy is, is great to see up there but then boy it's a long week uh, waiting for that next saturday game um that ending was as crazy as i've ever seen have you ever seen a game end with the game winning shot or a game tying shot uh pretty much getting stuck on the rim <laughs> no i have not uh, yeah i was asked that i I couldn't imagine that uh, maybe the, the new Wilson balls were a little bit uh, <laughs> sticky, but uh, to have that shot go up and all of a sudden it doesn't get missed and it doesn't get made, it just sticks. And the buzzer goes off. And, um, you know, the fact is, had there been any time on the clock, uh, it would have been an alternating possession and the possession arrow was pointing to them. So we'd have had to, defend an inbounds play that was not lost on me but uh, it was a remarkable finish to a terrific game yeah it certainly was an awesome game and i think a lot of people were a little bit nervous for you guys then coming into this weekend having survived that you got two teams who certainly are offensive minded shoot well from outside in mount union then ending up in with marietta of course st olaf was on the other side of that one just in case how did you guys prepare for for what was going to be maybe a little bit different than what you're used to? Certainly there are good shooting CCIW teams, and you play teams like Whitewater who do it well, but those two teams are seem almost prolific from outside. Well, absolutely a different style. Um, I thought we had a great week of, of preparation and work. I think having the whole week to get ready, uh, you know, had we been won a game on Friday and then been playing one of those teams that – as you said, gives a different, uh, unique system. Without the preparation that we had, it would have been extremely difficult. But we had a week to to adjust and really get ready to, you know, deal with uh, long closeouts uh, on three pointers and, and not giving so much help on penetration. Um, those were things our kids just really in, embraced and did a great job with. And uh, we also thought that they were teams that maybe hadn't seen quite the kind of defense that we play either. And uh, we thought we might have an advantage in some respects there. But as you said, prolific three-point shooting teams. Not Union, I think, that made over 10 threes a game and shot 26 times from the long range. And and, uh, and that, that was something unique. So uh, a, a great challenge. But we had a week of practice, and contrary to – to the first game against DePaul, where I didn't quite know what our, what we'd look like. You know, I knew we'd play hard, but um, I really thought we'd play well this week. And I thought our guys were so much looser and more confident, having sort of gotten through that first round game. Uh, I thought we'd really be ready to go, and obviously, we were. Well, you held Mount Union to sixty nine points in the opener and and scored eighty some yourself. Um, they still shot decently from outside, but not prolifically. Nine for twenty-one for forty-two point nine percent, whereas you guys shot two for thirteen 
from beyond the arc, right. but you controlled the boards. Um, you guys certainly were handed out uh, plenty of assists and kept your turnovers down, forcing them into a few extra turnovers. What do you think was the actual key? Was it was it defending and giving them as, as few outside shots as possible, or were you guys trying to do something else? Well, it, you know, you're you're right on those stats, but I think that it, what's a little bit telling is in the first half they were they had one three point field goal, mm-hmm. and so we had a significant advantage uh, at halftime, and uh, and and continued to build on that. They made a number of threes there down the stretch, but when the game was really in the balance, they they were only able to get one three in, in the in the basket in the first half. Um, the other stat that if if I and I don't have the box score in front of me, but we shot a, a, a significantly more um, free throws than they did. So we had really attacked the basket offensively, and we kept them off the free throw line. And you mentioned turnovers, and I think we only had seven turnovers in the game. So mm-hmm. you know, we had done a very good job, um, a very solid job defensively, and, and a very good job on the offensive end as well. So um, I thought we had you know, really uh, pleased with the the way that unfolded yeah you took twice as many free throws they took 17 right. you took 35 you scored 24 right. points there they scored 14 so a yeah. 10 point spread just there alone certainly makes a difference when you beat the team um it would have been a lot bit a lot different had that been, worked out the other way around and then let, then we get to the marietta game um yeah. I, I wow i think it's about the best description many of us can come up with 50 to 20 at halftime 100 to 51 yeah. the final um, speculation, I didn't watch it because I was busy at my sectional, but speculation was at one point Marietta kind of just lost it, um, kind of broke down just a little bit. But what was it the same mentality you had against Mount Union going in against Marietta, and was that almost a benefit for you guys? Well, we had watched them uh, before, and, and I think you're right, Dave. I think it was a team that is similar from the same conference Um <laughs> In the three games they played, I think a couple of those games were in the 80s. One of them was actually 100 uh, to something, 103 to 101 maybe. So they were similar in style. And I do think that helped us with only a, a, a one-day turnaround to prepare. Um, and as we watched them against St. Olaf, um, we knew that we would be playing them much different defensively. We were going to take some things away from them and, and uh, you know, front the post and deny some entry passes and pick their guards up in the backcourt. And we, we just felt like they're, they maybe haven't seen uh, the way that we're going to defend um, coming in. And, and I, I do think playing a similar team the night before helped us, but I could never have envisioned a 50-point game. I mean, I, I, we played terrific defense, and now on top of that we shot the ball extremely well, and it just kind of snowballed, and next thing you know it's halftime and it's, 50 to 20, and um, I'm trying to think of what adjustments we can make to help our team with. (laughs) There weren't many. Well, you guys did shoot incredibly well. 34 for 55 for the game, 62%. 13 for 18 from beyond the arc at 72.2%. And 19 for 20 from the free throw line. Um, Out-rebounded them by 11. uh, Had less turnovers by 2. Had 22 assists on it. It certainly looked like a team game. Was was it almost too easy? Well, it was. Uh, I I sort of sat back and just watched. There wasn't much that I could <laughs> say, and uh, and we you know to go thirteen from eighteen from three, we are not a prolific three point shooting team Mm-mm. by any means. So we shot the ball 
you know, extraordinary for us. We always defend pretty well, and, and so we did a great job defensively, and, you know, and we shared the ball very, very well. And, again, it just sort of snowballed. I think we got ahead, and they probably tried to force some things, and then we took advantage of that and got further ahead. And, and uh, you know, I mean, the shooting, we were 19 for 20. We were 19 for 19. We missed our last free throw. So, you know, it's one of those uh, nights where the, the rim appeared big uh, to our guys. And, and I'll tell you the other thing, playing at home, you know, that, that is an interesting part of the NCAA Division three process. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate we can't always separate the top teams. Like, I thought a couple times we played, you know, awfully good teams early in the tournament. But to reward someone that's had a good year with home games, I think that's really a great thing. And we had a tremendous advantage playing at home. Um, we had 3,000 people in a 2,000-seat facility here in the last uh, several nights. And that crowd, I- I'm not sure some of the teams that we played had felt that kind of passion from a packed house. And, and you know, so this, they had, I think, a couple different uh, guys get frustrated and got technical fouls. And, the next thing you know, we're shooting two free throws, taking out of bounds, and scoring on an out of bounds play. Mm-hmm. So it's a combination of all those things. That, and their coach made the comment, I don't know that Augustan is 49 points better than we are, but uh, you know, but tonight they were. And we, it was a combination of those things that uh, sort of snowballed, and that score reflected that. You're known for taking off your jacket sometimes very quickly into a game. Um, in this game where you're leading by 30 at halftime and, and winning by 49, is that uh, did the jacket come off? Was it necessary? <laughs> you know, our, our students have had a lot of fun uh, <laughs> at my expense, I guess. Uh, <laughs> most of them were wearing sport coats last night. And so I, I made a concerted effort to keep mine on so that they would have to sweat just as long as I did. <laughs> oh, and, so they, uh, have to ta- they can't take it off till you do. That's correct. Nice. Uh, they're gonna they're going to mimic uh, my actions, and so I I tried to keep that thing on as long as I could, and uh, and then when I took it off, uh, they they regaled, and it was a lot of fun. But we've had great support at home, and and uh, it's been a lot of fun. We haven't worked you up yet too much. I assume the jacket is still on right now. We, you haven't. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been, somebody asked me, well, "Why do you do that?" I said, "Well, my wife thinks that I should look dapper and professional at the beginning of the game." <laughs> Regardless of how I might look at the end of the game, and uh, so I, I have to defer to her. We haven't talked to you in a little while, but we did talk a lot about your team last time you were on. But quickly, just to give everybody an idea, this is kind of a young-led team. You do have some seniors on it, but three of your top four scorers are juniors. Uh, you're led by Hunter Hill, the the junior, at fifteen and a half points a game. Ben Ryan, uh, twelve points a game and six and a half rebounds. Uh, is that it, it, you? Almost kind of you know preparing yourself even for next year in some cases um how much has that junior class been so key to this run well they've certainly been at the heart of it uh, we didn't intend that but we actually start five underclassmen uh, here in the last month and you might recall Dave, we had a fifth-year senior that we thought could have really an all-american type year mm-hmm. he never got on track his whole career at augustana because he tore his ACL on two different occasions, but he was right at the heart of what we were thinking we would be, and we lost him, and 
And then we had another senior, Nick Hefner, um, who sustained a concussion when we won against Whitewater, and he was out about a month. And so we had to reshuffle the deck again. And this is the lineup that, you know, has kind of taken off. And uh, you had the fact that there are five juniors in there at the opening tip, and I think a couple more come in and one of the freshmen play. But we've had a group of seniors that have just been so selfless and uh, such tremendous leaders and such great locker room guys. Um, and then, you know, and they've made the baskets too for us, certainly. And, and uh, we wouldn't be where we are with, without the, the, uh, the key leadership of those seniors. But th- there's no grand design to say, you know, well, hey, we were really thinking that maybe next year would be our year. I, I just I don't think that really happens that way because all you really have is the year that you're in and you don't know how things are going to shake out down the road. But certainly that junior class has been exceptional. You will take on Babson coming up in the 5 o'clock game in Salem on Friday, certainly for two teams who've never been to Salem. And when we talk about the fact that this isn't the, the only, you know, this isn't your first Final Four as a program, but the first one in the Salem era, uh, Salem era. Um, so technically we'll call it new, and you'll be taking on a team you've never faced, I'm assuming, um, and certainly new in some senses as well. How important is game tape going to be this week? Well, I had hoped to get a scouting report from you as this call unfolded, <laughs> but that's not going to happen. Um, I, all I know is that they've won, I think, 29 games. Yeah. And I think they had the player of the year in their league mm-hmm. uh, was a sophomore that must just be terrific. Um, and I'll say this, I've had the same assistant for 16 years, and there isn't anyone better than Tom Jesse. And uh, Tom, uh, by the time I get, uh, we meet tomorrow at noon, he'll have a great sense of who they are, what they do, and what makes them go, and how we might want to approach things. So I've got a tremendous staff. And uh, in answer to your question, the, the, the tape exchanges and the research and video will be critical. Well, um, Steve Brennan's got a step on you. We'll hear him later in the show. Pat Coleman talked to him. He said he's already watched you uh, online several times this year and knows kind of your guys like Hunter Hill. So uh, I hate to tell you, but he may have the edge on you early here. Well, that, that may be the case. But I, I would also say we, we don't uh, – we kind of are who we are, and we're going to play the way we play. And I think, you know, sometimes it's easy to get caught up in, you know, who your opponent is and, and, and making the changes that you might want. Um, we'll make some adjustments, but, you know, we're going to, we're going to be who we are, and, and uh, I'm sure it'll be a tremendous contest. You don't get to this point without having something special going on in your program, and, and I'm sure that's the case with Bassin. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Looking forward to seeing you in Salem. We'll see you on Thursday night. We'll then see you on Friday, obviously, as well. And obviously, wish you the best of luck and look forward to seeing the Vikings in Salem. And again, how about the fact that CCIW, four straight years, has had a team there? What does that say, before we let you go, what does that say about that conference? Or what does it say about the gauntlet all you have to go through to get out of that region? Well, I think that's... uh... Uh, both points. I think obviously it's a terrific league, and uh, you know if you can survive the league, then you have a chance to be competitive on a national level. Um, my hope is that we will fare differently than uh, the other CCIW teams have that have been there the last few years. So time will tell. But we will look forward to seeing you 
Thursday. I understand you're the, the keynote uh, address on Thursday night's banquet. So. <laughs> oh, I don't know about the keynote there, Coach. Let's just say okay. we're going to have some fun asking you questions. That sounds good. All right. Well, hey, Coach, thanks so much for joining us. I always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, just awfully pleased to be playing, and uh, I've never had uh, Salem on my radar as a, as a destination vacation spot, but couldn't be more excited about coming out there this weekend. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you. Good luck, safe travels, and we'll talk to you soon. Very good, Dave. Thank All you. Right. Great, Giovanni, joining us here on Hoops. We'll appreciate him taking the time. Uh, again, team is uh, on to Salem for the first time in the Salem area for the Final Four. Of course, team is uh, uh, playing pretty good basketball, 26-4 and four overall. Last time they lost was the beginning of February and back-to-back losses to teams that start with the word North, North Park, and North Central. Whether Babson can take advantage of the term Northeast to their advantage is to be determined. That game, 5 o'clock, technically the home team will be Augustana. They'll be wearing their home whites. Uh, are assuming unless they change their home uniforms between now and then but nonetheless they will be uh that game tips off at five five thirty eastern time i apologize five thirty eastern time at the salem civic center when we come back we're going to switch gears talk women's basketball we're going to start things off with pat uh with i'm sorry gordon mann and adam Turr breaking down the t- uh, thomas moore sectional and looking ahead to Grand Rapids. If you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Of course, the City of Salem. Tickets on sale for the Final Four in Salem at NCAA.com slash tickets. And of course, viewers like you who are so kind to donate to this show. When we come back, Gordon Mann and Adam Turr look at the Thomas More sectional and look ahead to Grand Rapids. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division III school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. 
By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. It is Sunday, the 15th of March, and we're looking at the sectionals that took place uh, <clears throat> in men's and women's basketball and looking at the eight teams who are moving on to the championship weekends in Division Three basketball. If you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Upcoming, we'll talk to Tufts women's basketball coach Carla Barubi. We'll also talk to Montclair women's basketball coach Karen Harvey. You'll also hear from Virginia Wesleyan's men's basketball coach Dave Macedo and senior uh, guard uh, Greg, uh, Greg uh, Montgomery. And you'll hear from Babson men's basketball coach Steve Brennan. That's all coming up on Hoopsville. But first, let's take a look on the women's side of things, get a breakdown of what happened at Thomas More, and look ahead to Grand Rapids. Our Gordon Mann and Adam Turr filed this report for Hoopsville. This is a Road to Grand Rapids report from the Connor Convocation Center here in Crestview Hills, Kentucky. I'm Gordon Mann, and this is Adam Turr, and we're uh, wrapping up the sectional here where Thomas Moore has uh, defeated St. Thomas, get all the Thomases out there, in the uh, in a battle of one versus two for the sixth time in Division Three women's basketball history in the last 15 years, one taking on number two for the third time undefeated. And uh, the Tommies, Adam, took an early lead, and St. Or, or, yeah, and then Thomas Moore came out uh, of the half and really took over the game in the first five minutes. Yeah, the first half was not Thomas Moore's best. It was actually probably their worst half of the season. Uh, Sydney Moss uh, got dazed a little bit, got a, a hit to the face, and she actually sat the last four minutes of the, of the half. And the team was struggling, and considering how bad they were playing, to go into the half down just three, uh, which was the first halftime deficit they faced this year, uh, they were still satisfied with that and knew that they could go on a run in the second half, and that's exactly what they did from the get-go. Now, St. Thomas uh, with the three-point lead. Moss came out, hit a three the first, I think, on the first possession of the second half, got a stop, and then another three-point play, and, and really took off from there. Uh, and you, know, you could start at the at the top of the the roster with with Sydney Moss. She had an off game in the first half. She finished with what 35 points. So uh, you know, and we were talking about the, the difference between her. She can, you know, she doesn't miss from close in. And and Coach Sin from St. Thomas said, you know, she she can score from anywhere. And and you sort of see the evolution of her. She's gone from a post player to a wing player tonight. Down the stretch, she got a little more aggressive again, started to use some post-up moves, but, I mean, obviously a phenomenal weapon to have. And let's not forget, she's recovering from a torn ACL. She suffered uh, at this stage of the tournament last year, exactly a year ago, actually. And for her to play almost an entirely new position this year while still rehabbing the knee, uh, surrounded by almost an entirely new cast of teammates, just one other returning starter in Sydney Wainscott, uh, you know, her evolution this year has been fun to see. And it, she's really turned it on in the postseason here, uh, 40 plus points in both of the, the first two rounds and then uh, another huge game last night and again tonight uh, but the way she struggled here in the first half just goes to show uh, that the big advantage Thomas Moore has this season is their depth. 
Uh, they went 10 deep last night uh, in their victory over Washington U and 10 deep in the first half alone today. And that's really allowed them to weather any kind of adversity they face in a game. Uh, if one player is not hot, two or three players aren't hot, they still have the depth that, that maybe have, has been lacking in the past. And Coach Hans even said that that's the biggest difference in this year's team is uh, how deep they are and you know how he's not afraid to throw a, a bench player who might be the ninth or 10th person on the bench in their you know, middle of the first half and give her three, four, five minutes and how he knows she'll contribute. Yeah, well, probably the key, uh, you know, kind of block of time here in this in this sectional was last night against WashU. Sydney Moss picks up her fourth foul with about ten and a half minutes to play. It's a close game. She goes to the bench. The team plays about six minutes and actually expands the lead by one. And that was your that was your vindication moment for the for your, the story you did this week where you said it's it's really more than Moss that was the time that if it was more than Moss, it was going to show right there, and it did. Yeah, and it's shown at this stage of the postseason where every opponent you see is going to give you a great shot. You know, you're going to face teams that at a level of play that you probably haven't faced this season, and you're going to need every ounce of your roster to, to pass through into the next round. And, you know, if you're an outsider who's heard of Thomas Moore, sees them ranked number one, figures, oh, it's because they have Sydney Moss. She's a University of Florida transfer, former Miss Kentucky basketball player of the year, and she's putting up you know, nearly 30 points a game. You think it's just a one-woman show. They hand her the ball and they clear it out for her. But there is so much more, and I'm glad you got to come to town and see it up close this weekend. Uh, you know, this is, is a team that, that really plays together as a team. And when Moss is struggling to shoot, which is rare, uh, she is a very smooth shooter. And we, as we saw tonight, uh, she can almost get to the glass at will. Uh, she doesn't as much as maybe she can. And I'm not sure if that's part of the knee, part of the, the game plan. Um, but she's a great offensive player because she's not selfish. And she gets her points, and sometimes she'll have a, she'll have a quiet 30-point game, which is almost unheard of for any player at any level of basketball to have a quiet, relatively quiet 30-point night. But she's done it uh, night in and night out in the postseason here. And, uh, you know, she's, she's an off, complete offensive player because she can find her teammates. She made some passes tonight. And when she makes a pass it's almost always to a wide open teammate because she draws so much defense uh, and her teammates like Nikki Kiernan down low, Sam Cady, they're getting easy baskets because of Sydney Moss and what she's able to create. Other side of things for St. Thomas tonight, it was a struggle for the Tommies. Uh, Maggie Wires, All-American center, hurt her, tore her ACL. She re we were, they reported that after the game tonight. Uh, she came out, she played for four minutes in the first half. It was, uh, I joked with Adam, I don't think any of the kids on the court know who at Willis Reed is, but it was that sort of moment to try and give an, an emotional lift. She did not play in the second half. Anna Smith, who the team revealed was also playing on a torn ACL. She tore her ACL uh, in the conference finals against, I think, against Bethel. Uh, she played really well tonight. Her final line, she finished with uh, 21 points, nine rebounds, really was the offensive star. Uh, but in the second half, uh, the, the Tommies, Adam, really struggled to score. And I think the thing that surprised at least me a little bit, they struggled to bring the ball up the court against Adam Owings, who is five foot two uh, and is uh, a, a defensive terror at five foot two, and, and, and Jenna Doctor, who's probably an All American and has, I don't know, six inches on her, really struggled with the defensive pressure from Owings tonight. Abby Owings is a freshman who. He's been, treated, 
Isn't she? <laughs> well, she, I was going to say, she's a freshman who looks like a high school freshman. Yeah. She really does. Uh, but she does not play like one. Her teammates don't treat her like one. She's actually the was the second leading scorer on the team behind Moss uh, in the opening two rounds of the tournament here. Uh, and she is just a pest on defense. Uh, she uses her size to her advantage. Uh, by she's she always low. She always has leverage. And she has speed. And she has the speed where she can be aggressive in the backcourt and still recover uh, to play half-court defense. Uh, and the one thing that Coach Sin said was, you know, St. Thomas is the number two ranked scoring defense in the country. They're used to being the team that disrupts opposing offenses. And she said tonight, Thomas Moore really disrupted what St. Thomas wanted to do on offense. And the Tommies are used to being the, the defensive aggressor and setting the tempo defensively. And tonight, Thomas Moore was able to dictate that. Uh, and like you said, the Tommies struggled just to get the ball into the half court. Uh, they were able to get some open looks, especially in the first half. But once Thomas Moore got momentum, uh, which starts uh, on the defensive end for them, you know, their offense starts on the defensive side uh, once they were able to get some steals start rebounding the ball better uh, once they were able to do that uh, St. Thomas really couldn't get into any kind of rhythm in the second half offensively let's broaden this out a little bit St. Tom or Thomas Moore into the final four for the first time in program history they're joined by Montclair State which is into the final four for the first time in program history and two teams that have been there before one Tufts was just there last year they'll play Thomas Moore uh, at some point on Friday uh, and and the, the fourth and final team is George Fox who played both of their games on the same floor they defeated Calvin tonight uh, you asked a great question about the players and the coach separately in the post game which is give me the breakdown of 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 euphoria from winning and give me the breakdown of relief because this was a team that in Thomas Moore that has come into the tournament uh, undefeated, I think, three of the last five years. Number one a couple of times last year, you know, right on the brink, and then Moss goes down against Whitman. Uh, I, I thought your point about relief and you know, euphoria was, was really, really good. Yeah, because this team, uh, you know, expected to make it to the Final Four last year, the way they dominated the regular season, the way they were dominating in the postseason until Moss got hurt in the first half of the sectional final, uh, which was the first sectional final Thomas Moore had ever reached. Uh, and then having to really replace everyone except Moss and Wayne Scott, as we mentioned earlier, and moving Moss to a different position and different role in the offense, uh, there were some question marks going into this year, but there were still expectations, and especially with the experience uh, that they had and those two coming back. Uh, but this team is just excited. They're they're happy. Uh, they they cut down the nets on their home court. They were the, the first thing they were determined. Yeah, both baskets. Uh, they were determined. First of all, they knew they had to get home court. And they had to earn that, and that was a big thing uh, in the regular season. That was their big goal in the regular season was we've got to earn home court so we don't have to go on the road in the sectional round. And they accomplished that. And then once the games were here, they were extremely focused and determined to defend their turf. The crowd here was amazing. Uh, you know, the small arena. Crestview Hills, Kentucky. It was loud. And I will say St. Thomas brought some students, brought some fans. St. Thomas had a small portion of the arena, but they were very vocal and very loud. I think in the first half it even rattled Thomas Moore a little bit. But uh, once once Moss made those big plays early in the second half and the crowd just got into it and they stayed into it, uh, you know, cheering, standing on their feet, cheering during uh, media timeouts, you know, when there's nothing going on in the court, uh, they were just on it. Uh, one thing you loved was there were actually some students standing on, on the second level is where the concession stand is in the second level of the arena. There are actually some students standing on top of the counter on the concession stand. Uh, that's how full this arena was tonight, and they were loud from the get-go, uh, and the energy that, that they brought, and the players really fed off of that, and they fed off of each other, and that was the you know one of the big differences this year is just getting the games here uh, in Crestview Hills and getting the games at the CCC, and, and now they're moving on, and they've reached one goal, but they're not satisfied. Yeah. 
Yeah, so they'll move on. They'll play Tufts University again. Don't know which game will be first on Friday night. The Jumbos, in some respects, are a similar team. St. Thomas is number two in the country defensively. The Jumbos are number one. Uh, St. Thomas, two when they're healthy, two strong low-post players, and Anna Smith and Maggie Wires. Uh, Tufts with Michaela North and Haley Canner, so somewhat similar. Uh, I We asked coach hands after the game we said what you know you you just beat the number two team in the country by close to 20 points you know what do you take away from this as things you need to improve and he said we need to play better uh in in the in the first half and i think he also hit on another key thing we need to make sure we're poised bigger stage tufts has been not to hot not to grand rapids before but to the final four before you've seen this team a lot this year how do you think they react to, to that environment because the sense i get is um they really feed off the energy in, in, a, in a good way, and I don't know if it, it can rattle them. It didn't really have to – they didn't have to overcome that tonight. What do you think that looks like next weekend in a, in a gym that, you know, probably candidly isn't going to be that full now with Calvin out of the tournament, you know, the other schools? It's not going to be anywhere near as loud decibel level as it was here tonight. Uh, well, Grand Rapids isn't that far from Northern Kentucky, and oh, we did hear go. we did hear we did hear a lot of fans saying, you know, as we were down, uh, you know, downstairs in the arena as the game was wrapping up, that they're already making plans to travel up to Michigan uh, next weekend. So I think there will be a strong group of Thomas More fans up there. But I think it just goes back to the the biggest strength and the biggest difference this team has this year is their depth. Because if they do hit any kind of you know stagnation on offense, or they're not making the right decisions on defense, and they're not making the right rotation. Uh, Coach Hans is not afraid to go to his bench, and he knows he can get a boost. Stephanie Kruzling, Olivia Huber, uh, you know, the list. Nikki Kernan's just a freshman, but she's a force in the post. Uh, and just the energy they bring. I mean, Olivia Huber comes in for three minutes at a time, and she deflects at least two or three balls and gets at least one to two steals seemingly every time she's on the court. Never misses from the free throw line. Never misses from the free throw line. She, she's a phenomenal athlete. And same with Kruzling. You know, she's a smart player. She's a senior uh, like Wayne Scott. And just having the ability to say, if these five on the court, aren't getting it done right now I'll bring in you know another three four another whole new five and you know until we get the right energy level on the court um, coach hands is not afraid to tinker with his lineup and the team has such great chemistry and trust in one another um, you know Wayne Scott scored a season high 22 last night and she finished with two points tonight and, and you know and that's just and Owings last weekend at 16 in each of the first two games of the tournament and this weekend uh, you know struggled from the field she was two for ten tonight struggled last night as well and, and that's just how dangerous Thomas Moore is is you know even when you find a weakness even when you exploit a weakness they find another strength and it just seems like their strengths outnumber any amount of weaknesses that an opponent uh, an opposing defense could bring out in them so that'll be the final four Thomas Moore Montclair State Tufts University and George Fox University. We're on the road to Grand Rapids now, just one step away with a report for Hoopsville. This is Gordon Mann and Adam Turr. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you taking the time to do that. And a great breakdown of the sectional there at Thomas Moore and a quick look ahead to Grand Rapids. Uh, as we pointed out at the beginning of the show, um, the uh, George Fox women's basketball team is staying in Grand Rapids this week. Um, I had said I didn't know whether or not the NCA would be paying for some of that bill, or if it was George Fox. Uh, there is word that probably George Fox is paying for most of that. Nonetheless, um, they are staying in town. It saves the NCAA two flights, at least. But I think that's the right decision. I also had said at the beginning of the show, seven of eight host teams had won. That's a goof on my part. It's really six of eight, obviously, as George Fox beat Calvin at Calvin. Duh. 
Um, I was thinking about my final fours. I have seven of the eight correct, which is, if anyone knows how I usually pick my brackets, I'm not that good at it. Uh, I usually lose half my final fours in the first weekend. So that's where I got my confusion. I apologize if I confuse anybody else out there. Six of eight uh, um, on the men's and women's side moved on. One, one on each did not move on as the host school. Speaking of those moving on, those host schools, coming up next, we're going to talk to Tufts women's basketball and Montclair women's basketball coaches about moving on to the NCAA tournament. Listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, and, of course, viewers like yourself and the city of Salem. You can get your tickets to the men's championship weekend at NCAA.com slash tickets. When we come back, Tufts women's basketball right here on Hoopsville. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. It is Sunday, the uh, 15th of March. Got lots ahead still on this Hoopsville. We'll be hearing from the women's coaches from Tufts and Montclair here coming up shortly. Also hear from Babson, Steve Brennan. Pat Coleman sat down with him. You'll also hear from Virginia Wesleyans, Dave Macedo, and Greg Montgomery. I talked to them yesterday. That's all coming up here on the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Let's waste as little time as we can and get right to the uh, Hoopsville hotline because we're going to talk some Tufts women's basketball. Of course, the team um, taking advantage of the home court, as it were, to move on in the NCAA tournament. The uh, fifth-ranked Jumbos getting a big win and moving on, defeating the defending national champs in FDU Florham, who suffered their second loss of the season. And Coach Carla Baruby joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. 
Thanks, Dave. Um, happy to be here. Well, congratulations on on getting to where you are. We'll talk about that in a minute, but um, looking at at what you guys did to get there is certainly important as well. Um, started uh, somewhat easily with a game against Pine Manor. Uh, St. John Fisher gave you a bit of a hard time, had a really low-scoring affair against Eastern Connecticut, and then you had to go through the defending national champs. Of course, all on your home floor, and that had to help. Oh, definitely. Um it's it's definitely an advantage being able to to stay at home, sleep in our own bed, you know, shooting in our own court, um, and having our own fans and support. Uh, it was definitely a, a benefit. Um, of course, the defending national champs had a bit of a chip on their shoulders. They wanted to be playing at home, but they had to come and play you guys. Let's we'll go backwards if you don't mind. Let's start with that game. How big of an atmosphere was that? How tough was it to play them? Because I have a feeling you don't normally see a team like FDU Florham on your normal schedule. Uh, no, they're not like our NESCAC teams at all. So, um, yeah, very different. Um, but it was definitely, um, you know, having seen them last year in the in the, um, in the semifinals um, was, was definitely an advantage. Um, you know, just just the the way that they play, um, the way they get down up and down the floor, um, the pressure that they that they put on you from from minute one to minute forty. Um, it's 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 a daunting task to to um, you know try to try to play against them, and um, and we were you know we we were composed for the most part, and that was a that was a big part of it. Um, and uh yeah it was a it was a grind um but we we you know we stood up to the to the challenge and and fought with them for for 40 minutes and and the game in the last couple minutes um was when it you know went our way 40 to 39 was the semifinal result last year of course that game was played uh at Stevens Point this year you played on your home court and it's 58-52 so a little bit higher scoring they were a little bit different you guys were a little bit different so seeing them last year at least got you an idea of what they're they're capable of doing but i assume at the same time it was a little bit new in the sense of adjusting to different people at different places and having them do the same with you yeah absolutely um we're we're definitely a different team than we were last year um we at times play with with two point guards um, so I think the the ball handling was uh, a little bit stronger than it was last year, um, and and they were different too as well. They have a different point guard, and um, but they still have just the unbelievable athleticism, and they're strong and tough, and they just rip balls out of your hands. And um, so we just had to to just stick together and and play um, tough and. Um, you know, and I think our, our schedule, um, even though it's not the same kind of, of teams that we see, but, but the toughness, um, you know, really got us ready for, for um, last night's game. Um, what was the key, do you think? You talk about it coming down to the very end. What ended up being the key that you think was able to get over that hump and, and, and get past them? Making plays. Um, defensively, I think we, we did a good job on on their perimeter players and, and just, you know, trying to just keep them out of the lane and, and, and not get off, um, you know, open shots. We were contesting everything, and uh, they're a much better three-point shooting team this year than they were last year. So we really we really thought we, we had to get out there and, and contest everything. And, and I thought our, our just our perimeter defense as well as our help defense was, was key down the stretch. And, and then coming down with big, you know, big defensive rebounds, they crash every time. So um, boxing out and, and getting those rebounds. And then we just kept running. Um, 
we know they're a great athletic team, but um, maybe we could run and, and try to wear them out since they they press for 40 minutes. And um, and we were able to make those plays down the stretch. Um, you know, I think we're a pretty good conditioned team and um, made some big big shots, big threes. Um, we missed a, a few free throws down the stretch that I would have liked to have, have hit, but. Um, you know, I thought Haley Canner stepped up, and, and Kelsey Moorhead, and and our, our freshman Lauren Dillon, and um, I thought Emma Roberson played unbelievable defense, and and then and Mikhail in the middle was was really tough. Uh, talking to Carla Barubi here, head coach for the Tufts uh, Jumbos, who are moving on to the um, championship weekend in back-to-back seasons. In the semifinals, they will take on number one ranked Thomas Moore. Talk about that. In just a minute, but coach, let's go back to the Eastern Connecticut game, a rematch of this season for you, and a game that was about 20 points on average less than the previous time you two met. Um, previous game was back on November 25th. You beat Eastern Connecticut 63-51. This one 46-31. Um, was it a case of really good defenses just taking control or offenses struggling? Um, I think we're both pretty good defensive teams. Um, they're top five in the country, 10 in the country, and um, points allowed per game. So it, we knew it was going to be a grind. That you know our two teams know each other. We we played you know early in the season, and um, and and it was it was tough. They um, they really uh, took us out of you know what we wanted to do inside, and um, I have a lot of respect for for Coach Beerley and, and her program there, and. Um, again, it, it was just us making plays in, in the second half, and finally, you know, hitting some shots and, and getting some offensive boards, and um, just keeping plays alive. And um, you know, we, we always rely on our on our defense, and and um, you know, I think that was a testament to, to what happened on um, on Friday night, and and only giving up um, you know that that amount of points, 31. What do you take from these games? I mean, the low-scoring affair certainly in that Eastern Connecticut game, semi-low-scoring affair in the FDU Florham game. Of course, you guys are known certainly for a tough defensive mentality, and you're going to be going up against one of the best offensive teams in the country. So, how do you? What do you take from these games as you move towards Grand Rapids, or is this one of those deals where you kind of start from scratch and, and build from there? No, we're we're going to be who we are. Um, we're going to go into practice this week and, and work on our shell defense. We're going to um, get after it and keep getting better. It's certainly not perfect, and um, we're excited that we have two more games ahead of us. And um, we're going to be who we are. Um, of course, we're we're definitely going to work on our um, our execution of our of our offenses. And um, you know, we'll we'll look at what what Thomas Moore has. I hear they have a pretty good player. Um, they're on their team, Alessi, and um, you know, we'll, but we're not going to we're not going to change who we are for for these games coming up this weekend. We're um, we're going to stick to to what got us here. So um, just hopefully have a, a great uh, week of practice, and we're excited to to be headed to, to Grand Rapids. You you hear they have a, a really good player on their team, coach. <laughs> that, that's soft peddling it. There's a buzz out there. Yeah. <laughs> How imp- no. uh, Both teams took advantage of being at home. <laughs> And you talked a little bit about being at Cousins Gym. You guys have been unbeatable there. Um, maybe making a mini run for the Amherst record for all I know at this point. But uh, how important has it been to be at Cousins Gym? And now, because you guys haven't been at a- away for, jeez, uh, several months it feels like. Um, last away game was February 7th. And back-to-back games 6th and 7th against Hamilton and Williams. You've been home ever since. 
So how is it to adjust now to the fact that you will be hitting the road and traveling and something you guys literally have not done in six weeks? Yeah, um, you know, everybody's doing it. So, um, yeah, we've got to get on the road. Excited to, to be going out there um, and excited for a, a new environment. And, um, you know, I think, you know, most of these teams are, are in the same boat except for except for George Fox, who's, who's been on the road for a while. Um, you know, it happened to us last year. We um, we hosted the conference tournament and then had four home games in NCAA. So, um, you know, we've been there. So hopefully that, that experience from last year um, bodes well for, for this year. And, and just, you know, attacking a new um, – a new arena and, um, you know, having a, a good practice and a good shoot around before the game on, on Friday. And, um, we're just, ex- we're just excited to be, to be heading back. Um, you talk about last year and certainly the experience of going back is, is, is beneficial. Amherst has certainly cashed that in on a few occasions and you guys are going to get that opportunity this time around. Um, but how big was it to have a player like Canner have a good game? Um, especially this weekend after last year, just not having as great a Final Four weekend. Yeah, um, yeah, we're we're really excited um, about about Haley and, um, and and the weekend she had, and um, you know she is the the NESCAC Player of the of the Year for for a reason, and um, you know she plays big usually in, in big games, so um, we're looking forward to her leadership heading into into the Final Four and. Um, you know she's got a good cast around her too. Great leadership from from Hannah Foley and and Kelsey Moorhead and um, and just some some great underclassmen um, around her. So um, yeah, we're, I'm definitely excited for for her to to um, have a better showing in in this year's Final Four. Uh, if you mind uh, taking a quick side trip before we get back to your team, uh, article came out. Uh, recently, and as of three days ago, we're recanting the 1995 Connecticut Huskies team uh, that went undefeated to win a national championship. Of course, you were a sophomore on that team, and you were quoted in there. You made several. T- <laughs> you had a little bit of success at Connecticut, just 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 <laughs> just a little bit. How much do you take from that experience and use it with what you're doing now at Tufts and the success that you the Jumbos have had under under your you know leadership? Or is it because it's different divisions and different, um, you know, maybe auras in the sense of non-television versus television and huge, you know, media following versus, you know, D3 hoops? What what do you do? I mean, is it can you use any of that experience to try and prepare your players or is it kind of everybody's in a different boat? Oh, absolutely. I, I draw on my experience all the time and, um, you know, I'm I'm a product of, of that environment. Uh, I coached the way I, you know, I learned to, to play and, um, and, and yeah, the stages are, are a little bit different from when I was in, in Minneapolis in, in 95 and than it was last year in, in, in Stevens Point. But, um, it's the same, it's the same experience as, as far as you're with your team. You are one of four teams left. You, um, you're, you're taking a bus ride, you know, a plane ride and a bus ride. And, um, and those, those experiences are, are very, very similar. And, um, and we are going to enjoy every single second of it. You, you just never know when you're, you'll be back. We're, we're lucky that we're back this, this next year, but we're, we're taking it the, you know, the, the same way um, and enjoy every minute the way, the way we did it in, in 95. And, and I went to the final four in, in 96 as well, lost to this 
orange team down in Tennessee. But um, you know, I, I I think I I think about those um, you know those years a lot um, last year, and, and I'll be doing it again this year, and 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 just want my players to to enjoy um, you know the, the success that we've had, but but also. You know, we're going back to to get down to, to business and, and to win a national championship, and and that's been our goal. And um, you know, we're going to keep keep working on that. And how good is women's basketball in Division Three right now? Um, in the Elite Eight, there were what four total losses, I think, um, amongst the teams taking part, um, with four undefeated teams. Now in the Final Four, there's two total losses with two undefeated teams. Um, how? How good is women's basketball? And I would even dare ask: Has the top gotten bigger? Yeah, um, I think it's. I think it's awesome. D three uh, women's basketball is is is, is just. Um, it's grown leaps and bounds even since you know I got to Tufts thirteen years ago, and um, it's it's really exciting. And and I'm I feel very fortunate to be to be coaching these unbelievable student athletes every single day and and watching them grow and. Um, they're such great basketball players and just just hard workers and um, yeah, it's 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 amazing um, and yeah, uh, you know we play in a very very tough league um, so I feel like from top to bottom of our league that these games are are so competitive so yeah I mean I think you know you're looking at the the final eight and there's not a lot of losses there but. Um, there's some very competitive teams just in our region here that very well could could be up at that top of um, the upper echelon of, of D3 right now. And um, you know, I, you know, I think back to our St. John Fisher game and and winning in overtime. I think we were ready for that overtime game because of our game against Hamilton that went to overtime in um, in the beginning of February. That's that's a team that was. You know, 500 in our league, but just so it's just so competitive that um, it's just great basketball. You know, night in and night out, and um, you know, I just feel very, very lucky to to be coaching D3 basketball and and coaching at a in a university like like Tufts. You do you pick your old coach's brain often? Does Coach Air? Did do you, do you call up the big man and say, "Hey, listen, I got some questions for you," or do you, do you two, uh, just keep? Keep keep away until the championship weekend for D one. Yeah. yeah, we don't talk too much basketball. Um, yeah, I, it's mostly just talking about family and and how are things going. And um, you know, I saw him in the summer recruiting, and um, you know, he follows us and and checks in on us, and and that's that's awesome. He 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 really um, you know really cares about all of his his players. Um, that are there currently, and then the, the former players as well. So it's um, again, I feel lucky to have been, uh, you know, a part of that uh, program, and still feel a very big part of it. Well, congratulations on getting to the championship weekend and back-to-back years. It is not easy to do, and you guys have done it. And of course, defend being the defending champs and kind of maybe exacting some revenge for last year in doing so as a result. Of course, you'll take on the tough Thomas More squad, but really it's going to be tough games no matter what. Because no, no matter the outcome of that, you're going to either face George Fox or Montclair uh, in the next game, and that'll be tough as well. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Um, shout out to you, Dave, for all that you do. I know everybody says that to you, but it's it's really the case. And um, 
and I think the, the the coverage that we get at the 3D hoops is is um, second to none. Um, you know, ESPN and all those other um, outlets. Um, you know, they have to um, you know cover a lot of different sports, and and we you know we get you, and it's and it's awesome. Um, and I like to just um, say thanks to to the Tufts community. Um, the 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 following that we have and the support um, from our president um, down to to our athletic director and um, the, the staff, my staff and players and fans and, and family, um, it's been awesome and it's it's been a, a great ride again this year and and uh, just looking forward to to Grand Rapids. Well, good luck. Safe travels to Grand Rapids. Good luck when you get there, and uh, we'll look forward to watching the jumbos do. One more thing, Dave. Yeah. How about those? Pa- how about those Patriots? Okay. See. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had would, to get it in there. You know. Yeah. That. I deserve that. <laughs> I deserve that. That. Uh, congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. We'll see what happens next year. How about all that snow there, Coach? Uh, it's starting to melt finally. Starting exactly. Starting to melt. Yeah. <laughs> hey, no safe. Seriously, safe travels. Yeah. Congratulations so to, to your Patriots. Right. Well done there, all Coach. Right. Take care of yourself. Thanks, Dave. You too. Bye-bye. <laughs> Coach Carla Berube joining us here on Hoops. We'll got to love it. Nice job of remembering our little our little tit-for-tat with the Patriots. That was very nicely done. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to go down south into New Jersey and talk to Montclair and Karen Harvey. They're heading to their first-ever championship weekend. They'll take on George Fox. We'll talk to the Red Hawks about how they hope to get things accomplished there in Grand Rapids. You listen to Hoops presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Of course, viewers like you have donated to the Hoopsville Fundraising Project. And, of course, the City of Salem, if you want tickets to the Men's Championship Weekend, go to nca.com slash tickets. More Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. 
And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. It is March the 15th. We're getting ready for the uh, big weekend ahead, though we're looking back at the sectionals weekend. The, the roads to Grand Rapids and Salem are paved. We know the eight teams who are making those two trips. And we'll find out who a champion is in just a week's time, but we're still looking back over the sectionals and the outstanding basketball that has taken place. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We know if some of you have asked us questions via email, we'll get back to you those in just a minute. Bear with us. Uh, as we're still talking some women's basketball, still ahead, we will switch gears back to some men's basketball. We'll hear from Babson men's basketball coach Steve Brennan in a sit-down interview with Pat Coleman over the weekend. You'll also hear from Virginia Wesleyan's Dave Macedo and Greg Montgomery in conversations I had with them at Randolph-Macon just yesterday. That's all still ahead, but we are talking women's basketball and a team making their first ever trip to the Division Three championship weekend is the Montclair State Redhawks. Team is 30-1 and overall. Last year came perilously close to getting the championship weekend themselves before losing to the eventual uh, champions, FDU Florham, in the Elite Eight. So they're one step past that and certainly got to be happy about that. So joining us to find out, joining us to find uh, on the Hoopsville Hotline is Karen Harvey, their head coach. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville and welcome to the grand, the championship weekend. Hey, Dave, thanks so much. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're pretty excited. Yeah, just a wee bit, I would suspect. I know that this was a goal. You guys were heartbroken last year to lose to FDU Florham at home, if that if memory serves. I, I said that. At, without, at FDU, yeah. We at FDU, FDU, thank you. Yep. I could not remember where that game took place. Um, certainly, but, well, technically home, since it was in the state of New Jersey. <laughs> um, it's not like you went very far for it. This time you got to stay home for the entire trip through it. Um We'll talk about a lot of this uh, and some of the games you've had, but first and foremost, does it feel like uh, satisfaction and redemption in some ways to be able to be saying you're playing next weekend? Yeah, it feels it feels amazing. I can't even. I, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it a little bit. You know, we were we were a little bit overwhelmed with emotion last night. It's been, uh, you know, it's been uh, last spring we set this as our goal to get to the final four and we really didn't talk past that you know this is what we wanted we came close last year and um so we're um we're really excited and uh, we had a great weekend of basketball and it, it was pretty amazing so well certainly amazing let's talk about the run here you took on regis in the first round again um probably the only <laughs> probably the only knock we'll give the bracket is that, that you guys faced regis yet again in the opening round, you beat him uh, rather easily by 33. Then he had a bit of a scare against Stevenson in the second round. Stevenson actually had a look at a game winner or tire, I can't remember, uh, at nearly at the buzzer with a few seconds left. Couldn't get it to fall. You escaped with a five-point win there. Bowden, I, I don't know if the score is indicative. It seemed like you get, were in more control than the seven-point score would indicate uh, with a win there on Friday. And then Salisbury uh, certainly beat a tough Amherst squad, but you guys held them at bay and beat them by 14. How do you how do you classify your run so far through this tournament? Well, you know, I thought um, it, 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 the first-round matchup was a familiar team for us, and, um, and uh, you know, we played pretty well. Uh, Stevenson is a good basketball team. Boy, they are, they were tough, and they gave us all we could handle. And uh, we threw the ball all over the court a little bit. And, um, you know, we were fortunate to find a way to win that game um, and to survive through that first weekend. And then, you know, we were really excited to get the host and play home again the second weekend and uh, played a very, very good Bowden team, very tough, very well coached. And, 
it was close. I mean, we got off to a nice first half. We had a little bit of a cushion and just couldn't hold on to it. They came back, and, um, and uh, you know, I thought we did a good job of taking – I think we had nine turnovers compared to this game before. So we did a good job of, of taking care of the ball, and um, I was really proud, especially the way my freshman point guard played. She really stepped up and became a big-time leader. And um, Melissa struggled a little bit uh, from the floor, but she certainly found a way to do a lot of other things, 17 rebounds, and, you know – and my whole team played really well. And then, you know, I, I got to be honest, Saturday morning, Dave, I, I, I in walkthrough, I looked at my team and, and they just, you know, they looked confident. They looked relaxed. I um, I thought that there was just no, that nothing was going to stop them on that day. I mean, they, this was what they had worked for for, you know, almost a year. And for the, you know, for the incoming freshman for six months, we talked about that day. And I just thought they handled it exactly the way, you know, champions do. I was really, really proud of them. You've kind of seen a, a, a different variety of teams throughout this. Uh, you've seen a Regis team who's kind of, uh, um, you know, doesn't always have the depth or, or the talent to, to compete with a lot of the upper top 25 type teams, but is always in the conversation when it comes to postseason play. Stevenson squad who had never been there before, but certainly senior loaded, um, though not necessarily their, their best player being a sophomore. Bowden, who's coming out of that NESCAC, certainly battle-tested with lots of confidence and a lot of good players. And then a Salisbury squad who was who was who had reemerged, as it were, um, maybe a mix of confidence and, and a little bit of newness to them, but also in all four of those different styles. It, was it, uh, unlike some others was, that we huh? talked to, I was going to say Augustana men's basketball, we talked about the similar styles in their last two games. You literally had to prepare for four different teams. We really did. It was really difficult. I mean, I think that that was especially what made Stevenson so hard. The style of play difference between Friday and Saturday was night and day, and you only have 12 hours to, you know, to really turn it around and, and become a different, you know, prepare for a totally different basketball team. So that was really tough. And, and you know, Bowden and Amherst, it's just a different – or Bowden and um, Salisbury, it's just a different style of play. So it really challenged us, you know, um, and, um, you know, both excellent basketball teams. And if I didn't say that, I mean, Salisbury is a tremendous team. They had a tremendous run. And, and uh, you know, they, they, they really played well. So it was, it was a real challenge. And now, you know, I think we're going to face our fifth different style of, of mm-hmm. basketball certainly coming up. So <laughs> it's keeping us on our toes, and there's a lot of prep work that's going on. And um, I'm fortunate to have a great staff who's working really, really hard. And my players are experienced to some extent. Um, and they're doing a great job of taking all the information in and making slight adjustments and, and still being able to play their game. I would argue that by the time you're done with this, you will have seen six very different teams uh, <laughs> in this tournament because it doesn't matter who you're going to face off against Saturday. Uh, in either one of those games, you're going to see somebody different, uh, and I don't think anybody compares to anybody on on your run through this. Uh, I dare ask this, and, I, and it's a little trepidatious. I don't want to put any bulletin board material necessarily, but when you're in a scenario where you're looking ahead and having to see two opponents, do you kind of hedge your bets a little bit? Do you look ahead and say, okay, Salisbury versus Amherst, uh, our gut is we're going to see Amherst, and so maybe we're more prepared for Amherst, and when Salisbury shows up, uh, it's a little bit of a different uh, twist on things? Or do you not do that and hedge your bets carefully and and, and make sure you're prepared for both teams no matter what? And And I ask that based on the fact that you're seeing so many different styles in this tournament. Right. Well, you know what, Dave, what, yeah, what, what I'm really fortunate is, is my um, associate head coach, uh, Courtney Cunningham, has been with me for seven years, and she is just as capable of doing, you know, a, a full scout as I am. So 
what we do is I take two and she takes one. And, um, and we, you know, we kind of split it up that way. And then my other assistant kind of fills in information. He watches all three, a little bit of all three. And we kind of do it that way. But, no, we don't hedge our bets. I, I, um, you know, the, the one thing that was nice was that we thought that maybe Amherst was a little bit similar to Bowdoin. Mm-hmm. You know, so that made it a little bit easier as far as that goes. You know, the Nestec style of play is mm-hmm. a little bit similar. But, um, no, that's what makes it really hard is you really have to do three separate scouts. And, you know, you got to at least have it three-quarters of the way done because, uh, you know, I, I think I would be lying if I said I could sit and live scout a game before the game I'm going to play. It's really hard. You can't focus on it. Yeah, no, I hear you. I'm kind of curious uh, if you if your assistant is so good at scouting, uh, I would have given her two and delegated coach and given yourself <laughs> one. I I'm just saying, yeah. I mean, you're the head coach. You're allowed to take a, a little bit of an easier path. I'm going to tell her that, Dave. I'm going to tell her that. I'm just saying. I like uh, you have her scout uh, the uh, two teams coming up, and you take George Fox, and I think it's all fair. <laughs> or make it even more fun and have her take George Fox and Thomas Moore, and you take Tufts because Tufts might be a little more similar to the other Netscacks you've already faced. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'm just saying, if you're a head coach, you're allowed to delegate. Um, you I'm do probably a bit of a control freak, Dave. That's <laughs> well, that's that's true. That's the other flip side of the coin of coaches. They're control freaks, and so I can totally see how. You, I'm surprised you didn't take all three. To be honest, um, you do have George Fox coming up undefeated, uh, steamrolled Calvin, and probably a little bit of more surprise than many people anticipated. Um, of course, they had a tough fight in Texas, Dallas, in the game before that. Coming out of the Northwest Conference, which always has good teams, get make deep runs. I know you haven't necessarily looked at tape. I don't think tape was due to arrive until tomorrow, if I if right. memory serves. Um, right. You'll get a couple days to look at that before you head to Grand Rapids. But from what you know already, what can what do you expect from this game? Well, you know, I, I think that the West Coast is a little bit different style. We were fortunate that we tipped off out there um, in mm-hmm. Oregon at mm-hmm. Lewis and Clark. We're hoping that little bit of experience, and I know they're very different teams, but we're hoping that that little taste of of what that style of basketball is like is going to help us. Um, but, yeah, I haven't got a chance to watch any um, anything on George Fox. I know that they're a tremendous basketball team and tremendous program, and they've been there. You know, they they have a lot of experience. So, um, you know, I, I uh, we're just going to try to prepare as best we can. And, um, you know, we I think one thing we've learned, and, and even my captains have reinforced this, is, you know, we need to play our style of basketball and um, – you know, we like to put that up against anyone and, and see how we do. So I think that that's, you know, trying to prepare for them, but remembering to be ourselves is going to be really important. Um, when you look at the fact that you're making this trip for the first time ever, it's going to be causing, if it has not caused already, one heck of amount of buzz on campus. <laughs> yeah. um, certainly uh, calls from the president are coming in and you're getting, you know, um, alumni are probably coming out of the woodwork to congratulate you guys and et cetera, et cetera. How do you keep the blinders on? How do you keep focus on the task at hand and not get caught up in the moment of the championship weekend while at the same time enjoying the fact you've gotten here? Yeah, it's it's. Um, I, I've had a couple overwhelming moments um, <laughs> since last night for sure. And, um, you know, I just try to tell myself, it, it, you know, we've had – a great turnout at our the, both weekends and a tremendous amount of support from, like you said, faculty and staff and our president and the vice president and, and everyone, uh, alumni. And it's been really overwhelming. Like, it's just, um, I mean, it's really amazing for us. And, and so, you know, I was, I, I sat down, I said, I'm going to take a half hour and answer all these wonderful emails. And, 
and um, try to reach out to some people that have really been supporting us and say thank you because we're so appreciative of all the support. And then try to find a balance, you know, and I and it's my it's our first time, so this, we're going to be a little new to this, but um, try to find a balance because I tell you, Dave, we certainly want to enjoy it because I know – I know my whole team and my staff and I have talked about like what an opportunity this is, and it, it you know very well could be once in a lifetime. So we want to make sure that we're prepared as a basketball team to go out and play basketball, but at the same time really taking in this experience because you, you never know, you never know if you're going to get back there. And we've worked really hard, and my team deserves that. So you've got a sectional championship trophy, you've got a net, you'll get at least one more trophy and a nice honorarium from participating in the NCAA tournament. I know you'd love to have another net, but um, are you guys playing with house money at this point? Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, Dave, I, either way, that's what I said to them. I mean, we're, you when you introduced me and you said we were 30-1, and one, it didn't even sound like you were talking about our program. So, you know, we wanted to get to the Final Four, and then, you know, we said, well, we're going to see. We're going to put our best out there and see how we stack up, and I think that we're excited to do that. And, and I don't know, but I'm going to feel great no matter what happens, and I'm going to be proud of my program and my team and my coaching staff. And, and you know, we've worked so hard to get to this point, and, um, you know, we're, we're going to put our best out there and, and see what happens, I think. I'll tell you this much. There's one team right now who's absolutely thrilled um, that you're 30-1. That's Richard Stockton because they're probably walking around with their chests up a little bit that they're the ones that gave you a loss. I am quite sure if I if I know uh, correctly, uh, you guys would love to have gotten that one back. But has that game kind of been a, a resonating factor for the rest of the season? Dave, I think that that game helped us. You know, I, in and maybe in this respect, we have put a tremendous amount of our pressure on ourselves to get to this point. And you know, at times, it, it felt like a lot. You know, um, so I think having the pressure of being undefeated on top of the pressure of trying to get to the final four might've been a little too much for us, you know, so not having that undefeated record in some ways could have maybe helped us a little bit, you know, um, because we've been undefeated going into the NCAA tournament before mm-hmm. and boy, it feels different. You know, just that one loss sort of was like, okay, that's one thing we don't have to worry about trying to do. We can just focus on this. And, you know, it also reminds you of, you know, you really need to focus on the little things and we need to take care of the details. And, you know, I think it, it came at a time where it helped us refocus and finish, you know, the rest of our regular season out strong and and really, you know, prepare the details a little bit better. Uh, you have just two t- seniors on this squad. Of course, they're the ones leading the way. Uh, Melissa Toby and, and uh, Janiza Aquino, uh, both 15-plus points a game. Of course, Toby, 10 rebounds a game. Just got a question on Twitter saying, how in the world did D1 coaches miss out on Melissa Toby? I know you're (laughs) totally thrilled that they missed out on Melissa Toby, but is this one of those late bloomer type scenarios where they did miss it out like we saw in Duncan Robinson last year in, in the men's side of things, or was it just circumstances that allowed her to fall into your lap? I think it was a couple things. First of all, I don't think they missed her necessarily. I mean, she had some opportunities to certainly go play at that level. Um, she had some some offers and um, a lot of conversations. And, um, you know, I think Melissa, a couple things fell into making her decision. She wanted to stay close to home. That was really important to her. You know, um, you know, and you, and you can see it now as she's getting to play a, a year mm-hmm. of college basketball with her sister. So I think that that, you know, maybe played a little bit in the back of her mind. But she also wanted to be a student athlete. You know, she's a, she's a great student, and and um, you know, and and she was, 
you know, we talked to her a lot about um, being able to help us do something special and, and, and take our program to a place that it's never been. And we talked about that in the recruiting, and we talked about it in her first year as a freshman. And I said, you know, I think that you can be a part of something that's creating history. And she wanted to do that, and she wanted to win, and she wanted to have the experience that she's having right now. So, I, um, you know, yeah, we're fortunate. There's no question. She is, is uh, excellent. You know, she's a tremendous basketball player, and she certainly could have played at another level. But, um, you know, she, I think that she's – I asked her yesterday how she felt about her decision to attend Montclair State. She seemed pretty happy, so – yeah, I think she might be. I mean, she's going to go play for a championship, technically, or at least the semifinals. No guarantees on the D1 side Absolutely. that would have ever happened. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Certainly appreciate it. Um, good luck up there at Grand Rapids and, of course, taking on George Fox in the first game and then whoever you end up paying, playing in the second one. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, no, I just want to say thanks to everyone for all the support and um you know, it's really been tremendous outpouring on, on all social media, and, and, and we just really appreciate it. We're so excited, and we're really happy to share this with, uh, you know, with everyone that's been following along and supporting us. And always thanks to you, Dave. Uh, you guys do a wonderful job, and, and it's a pretty exciting time of year. So That's definitely exciting. Enjoy that trip. Safe travels flying in, and we'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. Thanks so much, Dave. Absolutely. Karen Harvey joining us from Montclair team again. 30-1 and overall. They will take on undefeated George Fox in the semifinal game on Friday. Jeez, uh, I don't even remember what time that game is. Hold on a second. I've got it on my little uh, cheat sheet here. Um, no, I don't. I don't know what time they're playing. Never mind. They're playing on Friday. That's all I can tell you. Um, of course, George Fox sitting there in already in Grand Rapids and will stay parked there. Um, until everybody joins them as well. Got a bunch of email questions we will get to uh, momentarily. Let's see if we can maybe fire off a couple here before we get to our next segments. Um, Dan Wheeler asks, what are the odds the NCAA adds two at-large bids to next year's Division Three men's basketball field so the two buys will no longer be? Odds are none, Dan. It will not happen next year. We don't have the numbers to do it. Um, if you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. When we come back, Pat Coleman sits down with Steve, uh, Stephen Brennan, Steve Brennan, head coach of Babson, and I will talk with Virginia Wesleyan's head coach, uh, Dave Macedo and senior guard, um, Greg Montgomery. That's all coming up here on Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, and of course, viewers like you and the city of Salem. If you want your tickets to the, if you want your tickets, I should say, to the uh, D3Hoops.com or to the NCAA Tournament Final Four in Salem, go to NCAA.com/tickets. When we come back, Baps and Men's Basketball with Pat Coleman, right here on Hoopsville. Every season starts with hope and a dream to play for the ultimate title, to become NCAA national champions. And you can experience it live at the 2015 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 20th and 21st in Salem, Virginia, hosted by the Old Dominion Athletic Conference and the City of Salem. Affordable tickets now available. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets today and make a date with champions. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. 
it's a great experience for me. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Pat Coleman coming to you from Babson College on Saturday night after Babson defeated Trinity College of Connecticut in overtime 76 to 69 to clinch their first trip to the Final Four. And I'm here with Coach Stephen Brennan, uh, who uh, has been, you've been here a long time. Uh, and, and deep down, you know, obviously more than two decades, uh, including as a head coach and assistant coach. But, you know, deep down, did you think that uh, you could get the Babson program or build the Babson program to where this was a possibility to get to the Final Four? I think that we've talked about it, uh, you know, we've talked about it in coaching meetings on numerous occasions, but last spring was the first first time, like when we, <clears throat> when I met with our leadership group, which is our three seniors and Travis Sheldon and Joey Flannery, I said, look, if you ever want to go to the Final Four, and I said, you know, we won 20 games last year, we got the core back, we have, you know, some, some great talent, like it's going to take a team, but it's going to take you guys having a great spring, a great summer, and a great fall, but the teams that make it, and we talked about this last night, um, are the ones that host in general, in my mind. You know, like, I mean, I look at Amherst and it seems to be their, uh, their, um, their prescription to get there, you know. And so for us, we talked about this last year and, you know, we, we didn't mention it to anybody. We just, within our leadership, we never talked about it with the rest of the team. You know, we just said, if we're going to do this, it's going to come down to the five of you communicating, welcoming new people in, but then you have to model the right behavior. And, and they've been just fabulous as far as taking first years under their wing and, you know, teaching them what it's going to take to be a good basketball player and, you know, to, to be part of what we do. I definitely want to talk more about the leadership group uh, at some point during the course of this conversation um, because I saw, I get to, you know, obviously saw the last couple games and, and saw some interesting things. Um, but, uh, you know, over the course of the, the last few years, yeah, obviously the teams that do host have a, you know, maybe probably a three times better chance to get through. And you guys had uh, just a fantastic atmosphere here at Babson. You had uh, great crowds both nights. You know, what's it like to have that on your home floor? It, it was amazing. I mean, it started obviously with the New Mac Championship weekend. Um, you know, obviously local teams travel well, <laughs> and then when we had Scranton, they traveled extremely well because they've been in 26 NCAA tournaments, and um, so we've had just unbelievable student support, but also community support from, you know, like Chief Pollard to the dean of students to the new vice president Larry Ward to you know, and then just numerous students. Like we last night had the lacrosse team here you know the men's lacrosse team and now they're off on a trip and the track team picked up the slack and a bunch of men's soccer guys who live in the area picked up the slack because we had great numbers last night it didn't seem quite as filled tonight but but they brought it you know and I think that you know when they see us making that run it definitely adds some fuel and you know I think with the the media timeouts we're able to kind of shorten our bench and then you bring in that adrenaline rush and the the obviously the opportunity to go to the final four and you find a way let's talk about the talk about the short bench and the number of guys you play uh you know played an overtime game on saturday night uh basically played just eight guys um you know that's a i mean that's a 
that's not the thinnest rotation, but it's uh, it's it's pretty tight for you. Yes, I mean we we'd like to play nine or ten sometimes, but in, in these games, you know, some of it's like loyalty to performance. And what we found in the last four games is in, uh, is that when we go to kind of what we call our hybrid lineup, where you know we bring in Matt Droney and he handles the ball. You bring in Charlie Rice. Um, who can play, you know, both forward and guard and swing, um, and then they play with uh, Flannery and Eric Dean, and then Wiki's our big. We can switch just about everything, you know, and I think that really helps us against these ball screen teams because now all of a sudden you're not worried about rollers. All of a sudden you can do your job. You can, you know, worry about your guy, but be a good help defender as opposed to. I'm covering for you. I got to rotate back to mine, and then I'm going to get screened. So it it, cu- it cuts down the rotations a great deal because there's no role to account for. So I think when we go to that lineup, and it's been you know very very successful for us on the defensive end. And that doesn't mean like you know someone like David Mack hasn't kept us in possessions, or Bradley Jacks has just been an unbelievable help. I mean, we talked about it last night, and he scored five straight points when we're down 13 to five against you know. Um, John Hopkins, you know, and, you know, for a freshman to come in and he did it again tonight in the second half, he, he just, he makes timely plays. You know, he may not put up big numbers, but he makes timely plays. And I'm not going to throw out a cliche because I abhor cliches. Anybody who knows about uh, what freshmen might be playing like at this co- uh, point of the season, right? But um, I, I wanted to tell, have people tell us uh, or tell the people a little bit more about Jax as a player. What's his style of player and how's he developed over the course of his freshman season? You know, we're fortunate that he came here. You know, number one, he had some offers to play like a D2 down in the, the Maryland area and things. And he came up and on his visit last spring and, you know, it was great. He he spent an overnight and he said, Coach, I need to talk to you. And I said, great, what's up? He goes, I'm coming to Babson. And then he dropped 10 business cards on my desk because he was trying to make the phone calls to all the other coaches to tell him he's coming to Babson. (laughs) So, you know, and, and, and so, you know, it's just really funny because he's just a young guy, but he's a big young guy and he, you know, he plays in that DeMatha league, you know, with the Gonzaga college prep school. So these crowds don't, don't rattle him and he's willing to step up and just be a player. And, and that he has given us the depth to play against the Nescacs. You know, we played six or seven Nescacs now and we have, one loss, you know, and that was to, to Bates. And, you know, uh, we were actually hoping to get a chance to play them again. But, hey, we'll play anybody to get to the Final Four. Yeah, I lived in the D.C. area for like 18 years. Uh, Dave lives in the Baltimore area. So uh, we can uh, we, we definitely commiserate with you on that uh, D.C. league. Yeah, I mean, just unbelievable. So he, he just has a great presence. and But the biggest thing about him is he's calm. You know, like he's not like he's not a rah-rah guy, but he just he's like, I got a coach. I have it. I got it. And he's just been a, a huge, huge um, depth piece for us because it allows us to play John Wickey at a three, four position. Dave Mack can be a true center. And when Dave, you know, is struggling, you know, because he's not the quickest guy in the world, you know, he gives us great physical presence. But like against a team like Trinity or even last night, Johns Hopkins, he struggles to guard those mobile guys. And so Bradley's length and his he's the best hedge guy on our team, you know, and, and he really makes a huge difference. And again, it's not a box score situation. It's it's just our rotations get better when he goes in the game. We're talking with Stephen Brennan, the head coach of Babson College. His team defeated Trinity 76-69 on Saturday night to advance to the Final Four for the first time. And, uh, of course, Hoopsville is interactive, even though this is a pre-taped interview. So uh, you see the bar across the bottom. I'm pretty sure it's on the bottom. Hashtag Hoopsville or at Hoopsville on Twitter. Uh, also, uh, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville and uh, www. 
D3Hoopsville.com. I think that probably covered everything that was on there. Um, I want to talk to you about, uh, Coach, you know, you guys have had this, uh, you've had this great run, 17 wins in a row. Was it 29-2? and two? Um, And, you know, you talked about having games here the last three weekends, New Mac Championship uh, weekend, and then the uh, first weekend and second weekend of the tournament. Now you have to go on the road to a completely unfamiliar place, uh, you know, and play in a in a in a big gymnasium uh, arena, and uh, you know, and and I, I would say this too. Um, I'm going to lump two things into this question. Sure. You guys have been down at the half, uh, you know, both of these games. I think is it three times in the tournament yep. and multiple times over the course of the season. How much of it do you think is you know fan support and atmosphere that helps you come back in those situations? And how much of that do you think you have to replace now uh, in the in a uh, in a neutral site situation? Well, um, we've been undefeated on the road this year, so we're excited to go on the road. And I think that the tough-mindedness that you saw at home has been on display in front of big crowds during the course of the year that were not our crowds. Um, these are the best crowds we've obviously had all year and really since <laughs> a while ago. So so it's a situation where, yeah, I mean, that energy is phenomenal and we can't replace it. But I think that, you know, we're not going to lose our heart and our toughness and we're not going to lose our senior leadership. And obviously Joey Flannery, you said you got to see him for the first time last night. Like the film doesn't do him justice, you know, and he just continues to make plays and be calm in the moment. And he's just incredible in terms of his will to win. You know, you can say refuse to lose, will to win. He just doesn't want to lose. And his ability to go up and get a rebound, his ability to switch on to a quicker guard, his ability to make that steal, you know, and, and just energize us. I mean, think about it. He played 36 minutes last night and he played 45 tonight or probably a little under 40 um, because he, he had a little bit of sub. He had him on the bench with the three fouls. Um, but, I mean, that's a lot of minutes. And he still had the energy and the wherewithal to continue to make plays and really to turn it up with the team. I mean, because he's a big part of us turning it up. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's going to be a huge challenge, obviously. And anybody who's still playing, I told the guys, look, it doesn't matter whether they're ranked or not. They're playing because they're playing well now. You know, they, they, they've won four NCAA games, mm -hmm. you know. And <clears throat> it's a situation where, so we're going to go get tested again. I mean, I thought Johns Hopkins was excellent. I thought, you know, Trinity, you know, obviously, you know, led for the majority of the game and until overtime, really, you know. So it's a situation where, yeah, we're going to get tested, but, you know, we welcome the challenge. And, and part of it, like I said, is they've learned to win on the road. That's where we actually learned to win first. I mean, our two losses this year at home. <laughs> About Flannery, one of the things that really impressed me was uh, he played, you know, the, the, the crunch time on Friday night with four fouls. He uh, you know, picked up a foul with, I don't even know, like maybe uh, seven, eight minutes to go yep. for, to pick up foul number four. And he didn't lose any intensity on either end, really, the rest of the game. And I don't remember, I, I know I made a note somewhere in the 17,000 copies of the box score I have as to when he picked up foul number four tonight. Um, but it was, uh, again, uh, a lot of time that he played with four fouls and was effective and maybe his most effective. Well, the guy who made the sub was Wiki. Uh, Ricky looked at me and goes, you got to get him in. You got to get him in. And I just reacted and I was like, you know what? It's your... Are you throwing him under the bus there? No, not at all because he, without Joey, we're not winning. You know, and, and, and I was hesitant to put him in. Um, and, you know, Sean Burt, my assistant, was like, coach, I mean, there's a lot of time. And I was just like, but we're down four to six. We got to get over the hump, you know, and like, you know, this is it. 
you know. So, um, so it was really John Wickey who said, "Coach, you got to get him in." And you know, to his credit, um, you know, Joey and even Eric Dean, they both played with four fouls down the stretch, and they still played aggressively. You know, and I think that's a really hard thing to do. And I think that, um, you know, I think that's when the hybrid lineup's huge because if we switch, we're not being put in a situation where you have to rotate as much. And when you rotate, in general, you're not in control, you're on a string. And when you're on the string, that's when the fouls happen. Because it's, you know, it's like playing a defensive back in football. You have to react and then hope you can step up, you know. And for us to be able to just, you know, get rid of the rotations, get rid of the attack the roller scenario, it allowed them, I think, to play and also get body help so they didn't have to push too much. Uh, tell me a little bit more about Wiki as a player. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, your leading scorer on Saturday night with uh, 23 points. Uh, well-spoken guy, obviously. Both him and Flannery, who've been here with the post-game news conferences the last couple of nights. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, great representatives of the institution uh, and of the program. But tell me a little bit more about Wiki on the floor. John Wiki is a throwback kid. You know, he's one of the few kids I know. He has to send his parents a check in August to help pay for college. You know, a lot of kids talk about it, but he has to do it every year. And I think that his humility and his lack of ego sometimes um, is what makes him great because he wants to be part of a team. He wants to win. And he's been the person on numerous occasions where he's the quiet guy compared to the other leaders. You know, he's not the outspoken one. But he'll come off the floor and he's like, we're not tired. We're not tired. Let's go. Let's finish it. And when Joey, you know, said something right before the overtime started, John just smiled. He's like, he's right. You know, and just like backed them up. And and I think that that's what's so neat about both those guys is that they kind of let their play and do their talking. But but John is um, is a hard worker. Um, he, you know, as far as being a good person, like he, he's a great person, you know, like he became really good friends with the people who do building and grounds here and do the cleaning. And these people come to see him and they're like, John was in last night at 11 working on his game, you know, because that's when it worked for him, you know, cause he has, he has to do, you know, the work study piece and he's a very good student and like, he wants to be great at stuff, you know? So John, I think it, it, it's, you know, his character, his care and his humility are, are what make him great. And, you know, like he, he just wants it. I mean, you can tell, like he exudes it. It comes off his person, you know, he just, it's like, he's, you know, perspiring. We've got to keep going. You know, and and I think that that character, you know, reflects back on everybody. You know, yeah, I I can see that. Um, I, and I want to talk a little bit more about the leadership team concept. Um, for example, um, I. Uh, Sheldon, whose first name is Travis. Yeah, yep. Okay, right, because I, I can't look down at the box score and see him, but he's one of the members of that leadership team. And last night in the Friday night game, um, I don't remember if it was a media timeout or a timeout that you called, um, but uh, he was he was the guy uh, for the first you know 15 seconds of the overtime of the timeout while you know you and the other coaches are talking. He's the one talking to the guys who are in the game, you know, kind of pumping them up, gesticulating wildly. I don't even know what he was yeah, saying, sure. but I was just I found that uh, that really interesting. This is a guy who's a senior doesn't get a lot of playing time he's only been in like 17 games all year um but he's a guy who has a big role for you he he is you know like we go to practice and he is you know pumping everybody up every day and whether he's on the scout team or the walkthrough team or whatever he's trying to bring energy you know and and he's the best you know, talker as far as in the game. And, and it's like having another coach because he's like, hey, we've been here before. We've been here before. And we just do it possession by possession. And you know what? Like, it's great to have it come from someone else because obviously they hear me all the time. And to hear your teammate who can now 
grab you and punch you and get you pumped up and do whatever it takes, um, it, it really it, it really resonates with the rest of them. And I think because he he just puts so much into the game, he has so much passion. He's in here all the time on the gun shooting, like he he's just ready, you know. And he he you know today he he couldn't sit still in the locker room. I went in to put some notes on the board, and he's just like I just got so much energy. This is unbelievable, you know. And and he just grabbed me actually before we came upstairs to talk, and he's just like. Let's go. Let's keep it going, you know. And that's really hard to do, you know, when you're sitting on the bench, you know. And 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 he and David Stoffer are, are the the ringleaders of that bench. I mean, they just bring energy every day. And and David Stoffer, who doesn't play, you know, he mimics whoever the best forward is on the other team every every day in practice for us. So those guys are invaluable, you know. And and I think that, you know, they they always say, you know enthusiasm can really bring bring you places i mean at this time of year you've seen everything but it comes down to your energy and your ability to grind and will to win possession by the possession and having those character guys on the bench and not having guys who are you know disengaged from the situation is obviously a huge asset for our program Thank you for tuning into Hoopsville. We're talking with Stephen Brennan, the head coach of Babson College. Uh, his team victorious in the round of eight. I think we can call it the Elite Eight on this show, maybe not on an NCAA official broadcast. But they defeated the Bantams of Trinity College by the score of 76-69 in overtime. Uh, you go on to face Augustana. Uh, I know that Joey Flannery has studied some film on Augustana already, uh, apparently from just surfing through uh, uh, live video links. What do you know about Augustana? Uh, I know it starts with an A and ends with an A. So... <laughs> Um, I, I, you know, like, obviously they've had a great year, you know, I mean, they've been up in the rankings all year, top four, top five. Um, I've asked a couple of different people about them. I've never seen a film on them. Um, I think we were talking about this last night. I mean, I, I literally, I don't do anything on Trinity until, you know, last night and this morning because like it is so one day at a time, you know, and so, you know, we'll have to, we'll obviously have the film exchange piece of the NCAA mandates and, you know, um, it's obviously they're playing great because they're here and um you know we'll see if we can jump over the alphabet there and go from b over a you know yeah and i know there's a lot of logistical stuff that has to go on between uh now and when you uh and when you get to leave uh which i don't even know if that's wednesday, wednesday night yeah. yeah so you know this is all i know it's all new for you guys but yeah the gagastana hasn't been there in certainly not in the modern era of division three yeah. basketball not in the salem that era d3 hoops time <laughs> i try not to always <laughs> refer to it as the d3 hoops era. we could refer to it as the salem era and it's pretty yeah. similar yeah, right sure. um you know where people are going to a common place that now the people who have been there before like uh wisconsin stevens point and virginia wesleyan they're familiar with and this will be the other side of the bracket the one where uh teams are a little familiar but experiencing something for the first time so obviously I know there's a lot of stuff yet to be uh, discussed left left to be determined but you know how do you think uh, you know how do you think the Babson following is gonna make it down there you know it's funny a lot of the alums who were here today were like coach we're getting a Winnebago we're going down uh, I have business in Charlotte um, we're gonna be there and then some guys who only played a year of basketball with me were like we're going to be there. So I think that, you know, look, it's the first time for us. Um, you know, hopefully it's not the last, but, you know, you never know. And, and so I think that people who love it and love what it's about, and look, it's college basketball at its best. It may not be in, you know, a dome and, you know, with ESPN and all the other pieces, but it, it is to us. And the most important game is the one we're involved in. And it's a situation where I think a lot of guys will find their way down there. I mean, I don't think we're going to have, you know, a thousand people, but, you know, we'll have a loyal following. And you know what? It'll be great. 
you know, and hopefully we won't be happy to be there and we'll play a great game and I'm sure Augustana will too. And we'll be the guys who are new to the, you know, new to the block and hopefully we'll find a way. And I still expect you to uh, bring a tape measure, measure the uh, the 15 feet from the from the uh, baseline. Just like Hickory. Just like Hickory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, Coach, uh, congratulations on a great season so far, 29-2, and two, headed to the Final Four. And on Hoopsville, we always give the coach the final word. So if you have any final thoughts. Well, first, it's great to finally meet Pat Coleman, you know. Uh, so I appreciate your time this weekend and coming out and covering us. Um, and... I think the last word is, you know, just thankful and blessed that we have this opportunity as a program and for all of our alums who've never been there. And and also for, you know, we represent New England right now, you know. So we represent New England and the new Mac and, you know, we'll do our best to represent it and just excited and, you know, glad that uh, it's starting to hit me that, you know, we're really going and we got to figure it out. And, you know, the good news is our guys are on break, so then I could be thinking about anything but this. And I'm sure Joey will find some more clips for everybody to look at. So thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, you bet. That is Stephen Brennan, the head coach of Babson College, headed to the Final Four. Uh, we'll be back with more on Hoopsville in just a moment. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Randolph-Macon. I am now joined by Coach Dave Macedo of the victorious Virginia Wesleyan Marlins. And, of course, Coach, you know, I guess four times the charm. I mean, you guys played each other three times, all of them classic games. Yeah. Uh, the championship game was back and forth. They came back on you guys. This game, no lead was safe. And even when you thought another team had its momentum, you'd still look at the scoreboard and be surprised that it was a close game. That's right. I mean, they had a, a three-point lead. Uh, you know, a couple of different times down the stretch, and we were able to just kind of hang in there and make one basket, and then we got a big stop and make a play. But, you know, uh, we, we've had four battles versus those guys, and give them tons of credit. They've made big plays and, mm -hmm. and big shots when they've had to, and their seniors have stepped up and let them. And that was a big point of emphasis going in. Uh, you know, we, we couldn't let their seniors uh, have that leadership down the stretch. And, you know, I like to think our guys made a few plays, and, and we had a good defensive effort overall tonight. 
What's really interesting is it almost seems like it's senior versus senior. The senior yeah. class of them versus the senior class of you guys. And you guys both have underclassmen who step up. Sure. But you kind of alluded to it. You didn't want their seniors to hurt you, and, and they didn't want your seniors to hurt them. It, that was a very interesting dynamic between there you was, guys. There was, and I thought our seniors saved his best for last. You know, Greg Montgomery was a you know, huge force. His energy tonight, uh, I know he didn't finish, you know, sometimes around the rim, but just having him back and having him explosive again, we've been missing him for the last couple weeks, and uh, he's had a tough week uh, leading up to this point, and just to see him, the way he responded, kind of set a great tone for us, and then Brevin Lyons, he's, he's been a dog for us all year. You know, he's probably the smallest guy in the country, but one of the <laughs> biggest hots, you yeah. know, and somebody that we just rely on to make plays for us. And, and obviously Cameron Owens, his, his physical presence has been good, uh, and then Brandon Mitchell as well, and, and they're all playing a key role for us, so hopefully we can keep getting positives from them. We're going to need them to be at their best, but it just feels good to finally get through, uh, you know, RMC tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of curious. You know, you talk to coaches about those rematch games, especially if it's a third or fourth time that you're right. seeing a team. And some joke, they make wholesale changes. That you don't really believe them. Some say they make no changes. But you also don't really believe that either. In this case, you two programs know each other so well. Sure. You're always battling for the top of this conference, at least in the last five some odd years. Can you make changes before well, a game, or is it you guys know each other so well you just have to adjust in-game? I think we, we make changes and adjustments um, going in. We yeah. both probably prepare very well. I know I don't sleep very well before <laughs> we play Macon, and I'm sure Coach Davis feels the same. It's not a lot of fun playing those guys, um, but we know that there's certain things we each have to do very well, and we need to take away some of their strengths tonight. You know, uh, Hassel, Badger, and Hamilton have been hurting us the last three times out, and, you know, tonight we, we let Lamont hurt us, Lamont Moore, and he stepped up, but we didn't let those other guys get off like we, we have and make the big play, and I thought that had to do with some of our adjustments leading up to this game, and, uh, you know, that's why we don't get any sleep this time of year. We grind <laughs> it out, but, you know, you got to give Megan credit. You know, you just can't take everything away from them. They're mm -hmm. so well-balanced, and I think as a compliment to them, that's what I would say. You just can't take everything away from those guys. When you look at this, you know, battle that you guys have had now for four times this season, and you, and you do talk about the guys you try and take away and let that hurt. And I assume it's an adjustment every single game. What I found fascinating in this one is as much as you guys did shut some guys down, you also ratcheted up the entire defense. Yeah. I mean, that first half defensively, you guys were well, everywhere. I think our makeup is something that, you know, a lot of teams don't see across the country because we are athletic and fast and we can get after people. But we got to be disciplined when yeah. we do that. And we got to be really efficient in the half court. And tonight I thought we had that. We had five guys flying around. We didn't have many breakdowns uh, or as many as we've had versus Macon. And that, you know, that made them earn it. We didn't give up easy buckets. And I think we got to contest. You got to be really good in the half court this time of year and we expect that hopefully we'll learn from some of those mistakes we made in the past and keep moving forward. And you love that man-to-man -man defense, do. don't you? Well, you know, I, I think that it suits us. I don't see us. zone from you very often. You know, we're, we're not the biggest team. It suits <laughs> yeah. us and uh, it's who we are and, and it's what we recruit to and obviously I, I think what we know and we want to definitely play to our strengths. Corey Moore has had a tremendous season, but he's also had a tremendous postseason. Yeah. Last weekend, he had some monster games. 12 points he puts up, at least tonight. But, of course, Greg Montgomery puts up 14. But that's almost the, the scary part. You guys have a few different weapons. And that kind of reminds me a little bit of those back-to-back -back Salem teams. Well, that's very kind of you. I think Corey is a, a you know explosive player when he's on and when he wants to be. 
we're just trying to get him to, to understand the little things, to be a smarter ball player, uh, and just mature. As he matures as a player, you know, it won't be so easy to just key on some of the things he does very well, and that's on both ends of the court. And I think he needs to stay out of foul trouble. He needs to, you know, obviously be, be more efficient in the half court, you know, with shot selection, everything. But when he's on, um, you know, we have trouble not to go to him. Let's circle back to Greg Montgomery. He talked sure. about the tough week they had and the fact you guys haven't had him a lot in the yeah. last few weeks. Loses his brother uh, to diabetes and kind of suddenly. I mean, they, they knew it, you know, yeah. it was a struggle, but it, it happened quick. First off, how do you keep that from not being a distraction for the team and give him as much support at the same time? Well, you know, he's such a, a great young man, a high-character young man, and he, and he comes from a great supporting um, you know, cast, his family, and he's a man of faith. He is. So I think we got the call, and Greg got the call the night before we left to New Jersey that his brother had collapsed and passed away, and we reached out to his family. His family reached back to us, and they just thought it would be best for Greg to be with us, be with his, uh, you know, the Marlin family, and uh, until the service the following week. And I think from, from then on out, Greg's was just trying to get healthy and play for his brother and motivated us all. If he can go through that, hmm. then we can certainly handle any adversity in playing on the road. And I thought we came together in New Jersey, um, you know, and started playing some good basketball against mm -hmm. two good teams and carried that up to this weekend. And then obviously Greg getting more healthy uh, and he was able to do more for us tonight. But he's just an inspiration to us all. He's taught me a lot in the last two weeks because you never think it can really happen to you until it does. And, uh, you know, that's a lesson we learned. Interesting dynamic, though. He's not able to be with you guys for a yeah. lot of the prep for this week. Sure. Um, how do you get him prepared while also respecting the fact that he needs to be with his family? That's right. And, and he took, uh, you know, he was in Texas for three days, and he missed three practices. It was probably good for his, his leg. But <laughs> when he got back, he, he came right back over in the film. Um, and he's a smart ball player. He's got a lot of court savvy. He knows the ins and outs. He's been with us four years. So he kind of knew, you know, what to expect from Macon and adjusted on the fly. And not many do that like he does. And his energy, I think, and just propelled him. And you can see tonight he had a little extra giddy up in warm-ups. He had a couple nice shots, too, yeah. in the first half. He had some key shots. And, of course, so did a lot of other guys. You guys, again, ebb and flow. This was probably the most significant win of your season. You've had an interesting season, yeah. but there wasn't a lot of, oh, that's a big win. Oh, that's a big win. And more like, oh, that's an interesting loss. That, of course, they were all Randolph-Macon. Yeah. What's it mean to get your big win the weekend you're walking into Salem now? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. It's just a confidence booster. It's, it's certainly a... You know, step in the right direction. I don't think we've had any bad losses no. on the air, but I do think we've we haven't, you know, beaten that elite team until the NCAA tournament. Uh, we've come close, but you know, we lost down at Emory. We we lost uh, to Macon in the regular season and the ODAC championship, and we just didn't do enough things well. And we weren't incredibly efficient in those games. Uh, we were better tonight. We were better last weekend, and and I hope we'll be better next week. You've had a couple good games in this tournament, and the win over William Patterson was key. Yeah. The win over, I mean, you guys, that was a battle with Dickinson, even Absolutely. though the score was maybe a little bit wider apart than you'd expect. And then you guys had another battle, of course, against Randolph-Macon. Are you maybe peaking at just the right time? I hope so. I, ho <laughs> I, ho I hope you're right. I think, you know, when we went on the road, you know, uh, I I'd like to think, you know, we're, 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 on we're heading in the right direction. That's good.
Sure. Uh, looking forward. How, what's this mean to be back in Salem? You guys haven't been you know, there been, so, at least for the championship right. weekend. I you know, we've say. been real consistent, and we've been knocking on the door to, to getting back there, but we haven't won on the road. We lost at Williams two years. Yep. We lost at Whitewater, uh, you know, yeah. in, in the second round. I mean, in uh, Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. Um, so to, to have it happen uh, again on the road, you know, playing at home is huge. We always say that. But to do it on the road, these kids aren't earned it. Well, it's congratulations on the win. Congratulations on making it back to Salem. As always, to give the coach the final word. Well, Any final thoughts you want to share with those I always Washington? say it and save a few days. Thank you for all you do. And I mean that, you know, we're lucky that, you know, you're covering us and, and make us feel so special. And just want to thank our seniors for a great ride. And, and hopefully we can keep it going. Well, speaking of one of your seniors, thank you very much for joining us. We'll talk to Greg Montgomery when we come back here on Hoopsville. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville, D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, in part by the City of Salem. Tickets on sale for the Final Four. You can see Virginia Wesley in action, NCAA.com slash tickets. And, of course, by viewers like you who donated to the Hoopsville fundraiser. We'll be back with Greg Montgomery right after this. Every season starts with hope and a dream to play for the ultimate title, to become NCAA national champions. And you can experience it live at the 2015 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 20th and 21st in Salem, Virginia, hosted by the Old Dominion Athletic Conference and the City of Salem. Affordable tickets now available. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets today and make a date with champions. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division 3 allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division 3 athletics affords students the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How it wouldn't change it for the world. Welcome back to Randolph Macon here on Hoopsville, obviously pre-taped for the show. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Just finished talking to Dave Macedo, head coach for Virginia Wesley. I'm now joined by Greg Montgomery, who finished the night with uh, 14 points, four rebounds. Big night. You guys get the big win over Randolph Macon to go on to Salem. I guess the fourth time's the charm for you guys. Yes, sir. Um, you know, we've, we, we've had, uh, you know, not the best success with them uh, the first couple of times, but um, we knew that we played close games and we knew that we could... Um, you know, we, we could pull it out. We just had to um, cut down on the um, errors in the late games. So. Yeah, that's the difference, you guys. It's been tough games all season long. Yes, and really, those have been your only significant losses of the year. You've had a tremendous season outside of that. At some point, is it hard to keep yourselves motivated when you when you just can't seem to get past that same team? Um, no, it actually motivated us um, a little bit more mm -hmm. um, because we knew that we we actually feel like we gave t at least two of those away. Um, you know, um, over that championship, we led the whole game to the last yeah. two minutes, and um, we, we let them take the lead and um, close it out in overtime. But uh, we, we were very confident. Um, we, um, we're, we're confident in ourselves, and we know that we're capable. So This game was 
incredible. Up and down the floor, no t no lead was safe. There was nobody had a big lead at any point in time. Right. Nothing was safe. Your guys' defense, especially in the first half, seemed to almost be suffocating. Did you guys ratchet it up just a little bit more? I mean, you're known for your defense, but it seemed like you guys came in with a little bit more focus and a little bit more intensity. Yeah, um, you know, we just tried to keep the ball out of their playmakers' hands. You know, it's tough to um, keep it out of Marcus Badger's hands. Um, he's a he's a heck of a player, um, and Joe Hassell, you know, they're they're gonna get him the ball, but. Um, we, we did a good job, and we, we tried to make other people make shots. And, um, you know, um, Lamont Moore stepped up. Um, he, he scared us. But, um, yeah, we just had to keep it out of their playmaker's hands. You play. also had a couple big shots last in the, in the first game on Friday. But tonight, especially first half, you just seemed very comfortable. Didn't matter if you were getting hit on the shot or if you weren't. If you were getting looks inside, you are getting some jumpers outside. You looked very comfortable on the floor. Is it just one of those moments that you're just kind of living it? Yeah, it's... Um, you know, it's the Elite Eight, um, Randolph Macon versus Virginia Wesleyan, physical game. So, I, you know, uh, of course, sometimes I want those calls, but, you know, you, you got to understand that you're not going to get them all the time. So, you know, um, you know, just got to play through it and just be tough. Great atmosphere. You guys had a good crowd support yourselves, which is kind of rare here because they usually sell this building out right, right. Um, without the visitor getting much attention. But you guys got a good crowd. They had a good crowd. It seemed like it was the perfect environment for this game. Yeah, definitely. I remember coming out of the uh, timeout, I think it was like a minute left in the game, maybe two minutes, and uh, they were saying, I believe that we will win, and I was just looking like, man, this is crazy. It's really like a heck of an environment, yeah. and uh, you know, it was just fun to, to be a part of, you know. So. Yeah, the place was certainly rocking. I was up in the upper deck. It was moving just a little bit. What's it like to know that this, I mean, it's not, it's a team you know. And you, a team you have to beat to get to Salem, and you haven't beaten them. What's the mentality then coming into the game? What's the mentality at halftime? What's the talk in the locker room? Um, you know, just play our game. You know, we feel like we did that, like I said, the first three times. They just made a couple plays on the stretch. I can remember some, some crazy moments here. Um, the last time we played on Marcus Badger, hit a big-time three yeah. um, in the corner to, to ice the game. But, you know, we just, like I said, we just, you know, Keep the same game plan. We just know that we had to make plays and we had to stop them from making plays. That's what it comes down to. Last play of the game. They got a really good look with three seconds left getting down the court. PG version of what was probably going through your head before that rimmed out. Man, uh, you know, I know he's one of the best shooters in the, in, in the whole country. And uh, I actually was actually happy that he shot a two-pointer instead of a three-pointer. Yes. I, I just didn't want him to shoot a three-pointer. You know, if it would have went in, cool. Let's we got five overtime. more minutes. Let's right, play, right. Let's play overtime. But, um, you know, you know, it, it, it went in our favor. It's, it's about time one went in our favor. So. <laughs> it's been a tough week for you. Um, lost your brother to, suddenly to, to diabetes, had to bury him. How do you compartmentalize all that? How do you handle the personal and emotional pain that I'm sure you're going through with the fact that you also are focusing on the second week of the NCAA tournament with a chance to go to Salem? How, how do you do it, and how difficult is it? Well, um, this is like my getaway. It's always been my getaway. Basketball, is, you know, it's one of those things. So that, that that's, that's a great thing in itself. And then, um, you know, it, it, it was definitely tough. You know, I, I just flew back in town yesterday, um, right before the Dickinson game. Yeah. Um, one of the coaches came to pick me up from the airport. We drove from Baltimore. So um, I had just got back. You know, it's tough to deal with. But um, I know that he was one of my biggest fans um, when it comes to basketball. So. You know, you just got to play for him. I understand it's bigger than me, and I, uh, you know, try to play for him. And 
Mm. And certainly getting a chance to be with family is important, but how hard is it to not be able to be there at practices to get for ready for a team like Dickinson, who you don't know? Granted, you knew Randolph Macon, yeah. but how tough is it to then step off the plane, get in a car, get down here, and, and start trying to figure out what your role in the game is going to be when you haven't been able to be part of the team pr process with that? Right. Well, um, being a senior, um, you know, principles don't change. Coaches' principles don't change, so we've been doing the same thing for four mm -hmm. years for the most part. So. Um, he knows that, you know, when I came back, I was going to be ready. Um, you know, they just got me updated on scout. I watched film with um, assistant coach, Coach Bonner, and, uh, you know, they just got me up to speed. And at the end of the day, he trusts me. I'm a, uh, I'm a senior, and I've been with him for four years. So um, he knew that I would be ready, and he knew um, that, you know, this is what I love. So he gave me a chance to um, play, even though I didn't practice all week. As a senior, what's it mean to get back to Salem? Virginia Wesleyan certainly has had some success there, but we haven't seen the Marlins yeah. in a little while. And I know this program is proud. So what's it mean being a senior to know that your your trip to Salem is now complete? You will be playing at least in the semifinals. Um, it means a lot. Um, just, you know, the, the last team that went there was uh, 2007. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we get sick of hearing about those guys. You know, they, <laughs> you know, they were great players, but I'm sick of hearing about Brandon Adair and Tom you know, Tom Blank. I'm sick of hearing about those guys. We want to, we wanna, uh, you know, not not forget what they did, but we want to, you know, be a part of that too so that we can have uh, more tradition. You know, we've made it to the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 my freshman year, um, but, you know, Final Four is definitely special. Does it add any pressure, or you, is it almost no pressure? No, I, I actually think it's the opposite. Almost no pressure, you know. Um, we're, we're we're not just happy to be there, but uh, we're going um, on a mission. But you know, it's you know, be free, like you know, it's it's fun, you know. So you guys certainly look like you're having fun. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Because the road the road has been, you know, tough for us. And uh, like I said, we we've lost them three times, so yeah, we can't lose them four times in one year. <laughs> so, you know. It's, it's, it's important for an ODAC team to visit Salem twice in a year. Yeah. And Virginia Weston will get that chance. Congratulations. Greg Montgomery, 14 points against Randolph Macon. I always give my guests the final word. If anyone happens to be watching, do you have any thoughts for them? Uh, I don't. Um, go Marlins, though. Very good. Greg Montgomery once again. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division III school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it.
And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying our show. We're going to be wrapping it up. Last segment of the show here, March 15th on Sunday evening. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Got one tweet asking me, do I think Augustana is the favorite in Salem? Maybe, but Babson's a higher-ranked team. Babson comes in as the fourth-ranked team. Augustana is the sixth-ranked team. Um, Virginia Wesleyan is the ninth-ranked team. And, of course, you've got... Uh, who else am I forgetting here? Stevens Point is the eighth-ranked team. So by that measure, no, Babson's a favorite. By the measure of experience, Stevens Point's the favorite. They've never lost in Salem. Um, Virginia Wesleyan beat Randolph making the number one team in the country. Does that make them a favorite? I don't know. But, you know, you got the fourth, the sixth, the eighth, and the ninth ranked teams in the top 25 facing off. It'll be 4v6 and 8v9 in the semifinals. On the women's side, of course, you got number one, number three, number five, number seven. Number, let's see, did I forget one? Number one, number three, number five, and number seven. So you know, you go with the, you go with the top ranked team, then that's who it is. Now, if you go by the NCAA standard in Salem, the other team that got a first round bye was Augustana. So in their definition, maybe they are the favorite in that sense. Um. Who knows? Who knows? Um, so we'll see what happens uh, in Salem. I, I've also learned one thing is you don't take the previous weekend and read anything into it heading into Salem. We have seen many a time where we thought a team was hot to trot and did not play well in Salem. We've seen teams that we didn't think had tough roads proved to be very good. Um, I mean, Amherst last year played Whitewater a or um, Williams a fourth time and had beaten them pretty nicely the first three times and got spanked in the semifinals. Sometimes the team doesn't get off the bus in Salem. Sometimes they're overwhelmed by the environment. Even those who have experience have something go wrong. So I don't think necessarily Augustana is the favorite. I think uh, it's wide open. Augustana has never been to Salem. Babson's never been to the Final Four. Stevens Point certainly been there, and Virginia Wesleyan's been there. So you got some very interesting dichotomy there, and they're going to have some new things, by the way. The uh, NCAA championship dinner is going to take place on the on the floor this year. Usually, it's in one of the side rooms. They got a big room that um, to celebrate the teams. This year, they're going to do it on the uh, practice floor, which means it. Practices, or not the practice floor, the game floor, which means the practices will be a little bit earlier on Thursday than usual. You know, that'll that'll throw Stevens Point and Virginia Wesleyan, well, not even Virginia Wesleyan, but it might throw everybody, you know, coaching staffs who are used to certain things a certain way. You know, teams have never shot in that in arena. Uh, there's so many factors in play. And, of course, they'll play at 5.30 and 8 on Saturday, then turn around the championship games at 3.30 on Saturday. Not a lot of time to turn around. So a lot of factors in play, and we'll see how it all translates. Reminders, Hoops will be on the air starting at 6 o'clock on Thursday. I will host the first hour or so of the show. Then Pat Coleman will take over. We may have some pre-recorded interviews as well. And then um, 
is I have to go somewhere else. I have to go back to that championship dinner at the Salem Civic Center. It's going to be at the coach's reception that we're holding for our second year in a row. And then um, Friday we'll be on the air 4 or 4.30. We haven't worked out the details of that yet, how long we want to do our pregame for. And then we will um, be on the air between games and after the games on Friday. Then on Saturday we'll go on the air probably about 2.30 for that 3.30 game. All the games will be broadcast on NCAA.com except the championship. That will be on CBS Sports Network. And we will audio broadcast it on D3Hoops.com. As for the women, all of it will be on NCAA.com, including the consolation game. Remember, the women have a consolation game. The men have the NABC. All-star game. The all-stars have not been announced. I think that comes out tomorrow, if memory serves. I've heard a few of the names. I won't. don't want to trump the announcement. Heard a few of the names, though, that will be participating, and it's going to be a good game, as it always is. Should have mentioned this at the top of the show, and we did not. But congratulations to this year's Joshton's awardees from Eastern Mennonite Jess Reinheimer and from Johns Hopkins George Bogorinovich. Reinheimer is a junior at Eastern Mennonite. She was the old Dominion Athletic Conference Player of the Year. Also the Farm Bureau Mutual Insurance Scholar Athlete of the Year for the ODAC. Led the league in points at 20 points a game. What she did off the field was pretty impressive as well. Bogorinovich was helped the team to a centennial championship his junior year and a championship game his senior year for Hopkins. Of course, they got all the way to the uh, Sweet 16 where they lost on a buzzer to Babson. Bogorinovich's work in the classroom in the community is outstanding. He's a double major in public health and national Natural Sciences with a 3.84 GPA. But what he's doing in the community is spectacular. Two very very good honorees. This is how thick the men's and women's ballots were this year. Here's the men's. All the information on the men's teams. And here's all the women's team. There are ten of each. Ballot and ballot. You fill it out. I actually had George Bugarinovich as number one. Of course, on the women's side, I had Jess third. But to be honest with you, with any of these, um, it could have been a pick em. I heard that one, Jess won by a narrow margin and George won by a large margin. Either way, they will be honored uh, on Thursday at the Salem Rotary Club's weekly meeting at the Salem Civic Center. They will get their honors then. We will interview them for the YD3 show. You can see that show upcoming in a couple of weeks. They will be part of that show as well. Is there TV coverage for the men's semis or just web feeds? Just web feeds. Uh, and it's really not web feeds. It's really television on, on, on the web. They do a very good job at web stream. Um, we were, they have multiple cameras and replay and graphics, commentators, etc. So it'll be NCA.com for the semifinals on the men's and women's side. On the women's side, the consolation game and championship will also be on NCA.com. On the men's side, the all-star game will be on NCA.com, but then CBS Sports Network will take over broadcast of the championship game. Now, CBS Sports Network will not video, uh, will not web stream that. They will wait a few days before it's available on the web in that sense. 
I'm going to wrap up the show. Uh, if you have any questions for us, again, tweet us at D3Hoopsil or hashtag Hoopsil. Email us Hoopsil at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsil. Once again, I want to thank all of our guests for joining us. Augustana's Gray Giovanni, Montclair's Karen Harvey, Tufts' Carla Barubi for joining us here on the show tonight. I also want to thank Virginia Wesleyan's Dave Macedo and Greg Montgomery and Babson's... Um, <laughs> Stephen Brennan, sorry, uh, for uh, joining myself and or Pat Coleman yesterday for interviews for this show. I want to thank Gordon Mann and Adam Turr for breaking down the Thomas More sectional and looking a little bit ahead to the Hope, or I'm sorry, the Calvin Championship weekend. Reminder of the news we announced at the beginning, George Fox staying in Grand Rapids, not heading back home, which I think is a good decision. Apparently, it may have been the college's decision. The NCAA may not have been a part of it, but of course, saves the NCAA two flights worth to pay for. Um, should be a great weekend of basketball. It always is. Pat Coleman and myself, among others, will be in Salem. Gordon Mann, among others, will be in Grand Rapids. Still, we always kind of still kind of tweak our crews as we get a little closer to game time. I, I do wonder, and I say this sarcastically, not knowing if Pat or Gordon are even listening, but when Trinity was making a game of it against Babson, I was wondering how much behind-the-scenes work was taking place to get Gordon to maybe end up at Salem and Pat to go to Grand Rapids so Gordon could at least see his alma mater at the Final Four. So far, of our trio, Pat is the only one to experience that course got a championship out of it in 2001 I don't have any hopes of seeing it in any time in the near future Gordon certainly had a really good chance there as the game went into overtime forgot to check my ballot I know this much I, I made a the announcement that seven of the eight home teams had made the uh, final four I was mistaken I was thinking of the teams who had made it in my bracket six of the eight home teams actually made it I'm going through this because I hadn't had a chance as of yet to see how accurate I was. In the Elite Eight, I had one, two, three, four of the Elite Eight in the women correct. And of the final four, I have four of four. By the way, you should know I'm not really good at bracketing that often. I, I don't do well in these challenges. On the men's side, I had four of eight in the Elite Eight, which was the best I could have done. And I am three of four in the final four, Randolph-Macon being the only one I missed. So seven of eight. Not bad. Um, so we'll see what happens uh, coming up. I mean, some great games. I don't know the women's schedule as of yet. I have not seen it. Yeah, let's see if I can cheat. Maybe it's been announced otherwise. I do know that it's been announced on the men's side. The 5:30 game is Augustana versus Babson. If you are caring at home... Augustana is the home team, meaning they'll wear their home jerseys in that game. On the other side, it is Stevens Point versus Virginia Wesleyan. Virginia Wesleyan is considered the home team. They'll wear their home jerseys in that game. Um, if you're curious as well, that's an 8 o'clock game, the winner of the Stevens Point Virginia Wesleyan game will be the home team in the championship game. In case you're curious. So there you go. Um, trying to see if maybe we got times on this women's bracket. And I just, I do see them. Here we go. So on Friday, Tuss versus Thomas Moore is a five o'clock game. 
And George Fox versus Montclair is your 7.30 game. So they're starting a half hour before the men. So the women will start at 5 with Tufts versus Thomas Moore. 5.30, the men will begin with Augustana versus Babson. 7.30, George Fox versus Montclair. And then at 8 o'clock, it'll be Virginia Wesleyan versus Stevens Point. So there's your breakdown of Friday's games. Championship for men is at 3.30. The women is at 7.30. Might be one of those rare occasions where we can get some stuff done at the Salem in Salem and get to a establishment to then see the women's championship. That would be kind of cool if I do say so myself. So there you go. Game times for you. We're going to wrap up the show. I want to again thank Pat Coleman for his help and Gordon Mann and Adam Turr as well. I want to thank our guests as well, and of course, the sports information directors from all those schools. Also, want to thank Randolph Macon for their hospitality this weekend. They were terrific in helping us uh, help you get a better broadcast. I know uh, I didn't do my absolute best. <laughs> we were balancing a lot of things, but we were able to add a few cameras and give you a sense of what was going on there. We certainly hope you enjoyed the broadcast. I know we had about 2,000 watching the Randolph Macon Virginia Wesleyan game as it came to an end. But I want to thank Randolph Macon, as always, for their hospitality. Looking forward to being in Salem. I hit the road on Wednesday, and don't forget, we got Hoopsville on Thursday, plus much, much more along the way. Um, that's going to do it. We'll be on the air Thursday, 6 o'clock Eastern time. By the way, audio-only show. You'll, you'll see a picture in, like, an image, but you're not going to see any video. Just because of logistics, it is going to be an audio-only show of Hoopsville coming up on Thursday. That's going to do it. Thank you for tuning in so much. Thanks to everybody who helps us put this show together. Oh, got one more question. Uh, would you compare Corey Moore's game similar to Young from Whitewater? Yeah, I guess I would. Corey Moore and, and Young from Whitewater are pretty similar. I think Young's a little bit faster maybe. Moore's pretty good, but I think, I think, I think Young is a little bit faster. A little bit quicker off the dribble. Um, Moore is pretty good too, and I, but I think also Young is a little bit more in control of the offense. A little bit more of the point guard responsibilities than I think Moore picks up. I could be wrong on that, but that's just my initial assessment. Again, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Appreciate it. I want to thank everybody who supports this show, D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Of course, viewers like you have donated the Hoopsville Fundraising Project, and of course, also, the city of Salem, where tickets are on sale for the Final Four, you can get your tickets at ncaa.com slash tickets. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Have a good evening. We'll see you back here Thursday evening, 6 o'clock Eastern Time, live from the Coach's Reception, the Hoopsville Coach's Reception in Roanoke, Virginia. Appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show, and we'll see you back here. Later this week, in a week's time, we'll be on the air celebrating the two champs in Division Three, and we know it's going to be two new champs. Who will they be? We've got eight teams fighting it out for those championships, and we're looking forward to seeing who comes out on top in 2015. We'll see you on the road to Salem and Grand Rapids starting on Thursday. Good night, everybody.